Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. People are going to be like, what the fuck? Put your, put your earbuds in. How are you? I have been waiting to talk to you. I'm so sad we didn't get to talk last week. Uh, I didn't talk to anybody last week. You didn't talk to anybody <laughs> last week? I haven't. Uh, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I uh, I got waylaid. It's, it, no one cares. But uh, I care. No, but you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. Nobody should. But I know um, you weren't completely under the covers hiding in the bedroom. You went out and did stand up. And I want to hear about that. I, I was well, very excited and I was sad I couldn't go. The lineup was amazing. Well, all right. Um, I did do that, and and that was great. It was funny because that, uh, well, I mean, it was that that started the week. It was last Monday. Okay, so not not unfortunately not two days ago, but the previous Monday. So okay. I, was, I was out. Um, hey, what's happened? A Mike Schmidt forty year old boy <laughs> podcast. By the way, I I always because I I just I never remember to do that. So we got to remember we we phrase that and frame it in here like this. Uh, that's our good friend Lily Von Stupp. Hi, Lily. Hello. How are you? Hello. You're wearing your Hello. hat. You got a nice hat on. I'm very cold. Uh, well, it's you know why? Because it is fucking cold in Los Angeles. There's it's a, ridiculous. A yeah, blizzard. Um, it is Ash Wednesday as we record, which um, of course is the day Jesus stopped smoking. We all know that. Everybody remembers <laughs> this. <laughs> Good for him, right? Kicking the old habit. Didn't even need the patch. Guy didn't even need the fucking patch. He was just he was not he was working a heater all the time around the corner. That's that happened all the time. Moses would come out and be like, Whoa, what the stinks out here? What's going on? And there's Jesus working a heater, leaning against the wall. He's like, Man, it's gonna kill you someday. And he's like, Oh, please. The Romans are gonna kill me someday. This just kind of makes me deal with it. I already know what's gonna happen to me. Uh, but then he finally gave it up and look what happened. He was right. He was right all along. Smoking made him, it calmed him down. He didn't have to think about getting crucified. Uh, and then he, and then he winds up quitting the heaters and sure enough, he's on a couple of that. You know what? Get off the cross. We need the wood because we got to make more matches. So you can start smoking again, Jesus. That's exactly it. Uh, now are you wearing your hat to cover up your smudge? You got it. Did you get your smudge today? Did you go to the old uh, church? Uh you know, I have not been to a church. No. Uh, I think the last church I went to was because of a wedding. I have no, 
Okay. I have no reason to step into a church. I have to be honest. I, Ash Wednesday, because, you know, I, we would go get the smudge when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but then finally I had to stop because the, the last time I went and got it, it was actually uh, made of cum. So I was like, <laughs> all right, I, I, I mean, I'm glad he likes me. I'm glad he likes me and stuff. But at the same time, I think I'm going to have to have step away. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people are mad now. I don't. That's fine. I used to do um, Ass Wednesday and I would share pictures wow. from the show instead of and, and I would put like 20 photos out of asses on, on Ass Wednesday. Yeah. You know what I don't appreciate in that story? <laughs> used to. I well, don't I don't have a show it. anymore, so I don't do a whole lot of photos. There's like there's not a million asses from the past. You can go ahead and <laughs> unleash. Unleash the asses of the past, Lily. That's what we're waiting for. You know, that's going to be the biography, Asses of the Past, Monday Night Tease Retrospective. Done. Why not? (laughs) See? And I'll expect my fee as accordingly uh, as I've always received it in the past. (laughs) I'm so loaded from all the ideas I've given you. Good Christ. I'm such a, I'm a font of good ideas for you, for you, for you, but not for me. (laughs) That's what Devo will tell you. Um, (laughs) So... Uh, no, I used to, we, I remember going to church when I was a kid and getting the smudge. I remember getting the smudge when I was a yeah. child, a youngster, but yeah, I haven't been. And it's funny. I, now that I'm old and directionless, uh, I find myself again with so much free time and staring and thinking about things if they were different, like if my parents actually cared when I was a youth. Um, and then you sit there and you're like, ah, oh, man, what if, what if my dad didn't float around in a boat inside of a whiskey bottle, like the toilet bowl guy or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Wouldn't that have been fun? <laughs> What if my dad actually played catch with me once? Would that have changed my life? Would that have? What if before my father died in my teens, he had actually taken me outside for a catch? Do you think that would have put me on a path, a primrose path, where things would have been different? Probably not. But still, it's good. It's fun to think about. It's fun to think about at four o'clock in the morning in the pitch black of your apartment as you listen outside and hear the wind whistle through the bare branches of the February fucking evening. Um. So it's been. Uh, <laughs> been a bit of a week it's been a week <laughs> i've been two weeks actually i guess because we did uh, we did a show and then yes. of course i did the, the comedy show and then uh which i want to hear about <laughs> which i'll get to but it's I just know. this overwhelming and and look i know this is midlife bullshit and i i wonder if anybody else out there is experiencing it too it's this this it's just this we all are this obsidian this black monolith that shows up where you just uh you, when you when you realize you won't you have no more chances you know what i mean when you you realize you won't ever be young again and also when i say no more chances you can live the life you're going to live the rest of your life and that's totally fine and you go ahead and make the decisions and figure out what path you can take and try to do your best to be your best but but i'll never go to college you know what i mean i'll never have that those first time experiences anymore of going here or doing that or living you, it's you you're just a husk you're just used up you're just finished you're just you're just chewed all the flavor out of you and they stuck you under a table and you just sit there and you go god damn that's weird it's a weird thing and you think because again it doesn't it doesn't crush you but but it can in the moment certainly and so i wind up dealing with that that's that's what's it's because again like i said last monday i did a, i did the comedy show um nine days ago not two days ago and uh and it, again this year that's the whole point. Get back on stage and start doing the thing that you're supposed to. But then, then the specter arises of, hey, you know what? What if you had actually kept this up? What if you had actually done this when you were supposed to do this? What if you had actually, you know what I mean? And it's so funny because we're in year 13 of the show and year 13 has lasted fucking three years. I get that, everybody. But it's it's so odd 
you know, because again, I've basically spent 13 years telling you why I was going to wind up in this very position. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, how did I not have a miner's hat on with a big beam of light going, oh, that's coming. Oh, what's that? Oh, no, I'm sure there's no train at the end of this tunnel. This is fine. Let's just keep walking in the darkness forward and, and tell everybody at the time we tripped and fell and how hilarious it was, not realizing eventually we were going to get fucking creamed, right? It's fucking, and, and, and look, I can, I can evade that sometimes I can sidestep it, but sometimes like in the, in the past, oh, I don't know, a week and a half or so, uh, it lands squarely on your neck with a knee or a forearm and, and it, you just can't escape the crushing realization that you've done things wrong. And it's, and we're all the informed by our own choices. We're all the product of the decisions we've made, but that's the issue. You look back and you think, oh, I made those decisions. They were great at the moment. Boy, though, weren't those fun in the moment? Uh, and then you realize that you've just careened through a guardrail. It's fucking bananas. It's weird. Life is fucking strange. Live your life and be nice to people. That's all I'm going to tell you. Because it's just, it's, you know, I at least have that. You know what I mean? At least I was, I was like a, a, a good dude to people, sort of. I don't know. Maybe I don't. <laughs> I can't wait to get those emails. By the way, Jagoff. Oh, no. <laughs> Mike, do you follow my Instagram called Reliably Angry? I I don't I didn't even know you had an Instagram. Okay, it's Lily so, Von Stupp, so I have an Instagram as Lily Von Stupp, <laughs> but I started another yeah. Instagram because I had this idea that I would talk about things that I don't like or I'm angry about, but not in my personal life. So I started this Instagram Reliably Angry, and I put posts out that are mostly political or philosophical. This week, I posted a picture, and it says, trying to hurt me by bringing up my past is like trying to rob my old house. I don't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I shared that because it is this thing where people will constantly try to tear you down for what you've done. And and if you grow as a person, which you have, mm. and again, I'm trying to not get all woo-woo here because I know, you know, I'm not a woo-woo person anyway. Well, it's a comedy show. Nobody wants any fucking woo-woo. Although well, I just no, dug but, a fucking ditch we got to climb out of. Well, I don't think we have to climb out of it. I think the reality is looking back on not going to college because I went to college for a little while and then went, well, this is dumb. I got yelled at for having long nails and was told I would never be able to type well. And I was like... That is the dumbest thing when I can pass the test that I'm getting yelled at because my nails are long by a man who looks like he lives in a book. Let me me tell you something, though, before we get any further into what you're saying. uh, If that guy's alive now, can you imagine the seizing palpitations he gets in his chest when he sees any reality (laughs) show contestant try to eat a sandwich with their gigantic bayonet fucking nails? I don't get it. I don't understand it. I saw some woman trying to make like a shake this week with with a handful of talons that would make Freddy Krueger flee in terror. And and it's just everybody's like, yeah, look at look at that fit. Look at that nail fit. Look at that nail drip. And I'm like, no, please don't, because if that person is working in a, in a Jimmy John's, I'm going to wind up getting a ham provolone and acrylic sandwich. I don't want that. Well, this was 1986 and my nails were four inches long. Well, here we go, because you're doing coke with Roger Daltrey in an elevator. <laughs> well, I wasn't doing coke with Roger Daltrey. Uh-huh. Um, but but the point is, you know, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that anymore i didn't care for college i tried it i did not care for it 
I took you're... classes that helped me, but I didn't care. So so to look back on those things and either long for them or regret them is really not helpful. You're focusing on the wrong thing. It's it's not like I'm sitting here and going, Christ, no. if only I had haunted the halls of Ivy. I don't it's college is no, a no, metaphor. No, no, no. But well, I, I understand anything, that. Every and choice you've made. But the point I'm making is you don't live there anymore. I do though. But you should have, have you listened to this show? That's but, where I live. My I, point I'm is you, about. But my point is you shouldn't. My point is you've moved out of that house. Have you looked around? <laughs> do do you want to live here? Isn't it much safer to just crawl and burrow deep into the ground like a sleepy time tea bear or something and just be like, oh, it's it's so no. dark and cool down here. Ooh. And my TV works. Isn't it great that my TV works? Oh, I love it. Hey, look at this steady stream of nonsense that I can just refresh over and over and read bite-sized garbage. I love it. Fill my soul with bite-sized garbage. Give me the big boys and fill my soul with bite-sized garbage and rock and roll. That's how it goes. That's the new, that's the new version of that fucking song. God damn it. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm saying, I understand. Look, hey, look cause again, every, I'm, look, I know I'm speaking to other people out there now that are like, Hey man, I got two kids and a mortgage and it's awesome. I, cause you know what I'm, and the thing is their whole lives are, are, are your whole thing is you got to keep these kids alive and happy and pay your mortgage. So you don't get time like me to sit on a couch in the dark and go, <laughs> Oh, 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 remember, remember when I was 24, what if I had opened this door instead of that door? Oh, boo. oh, I'm, I'm sure they cry in the shower at times wondering why they have two kids, no Everybody matter how much does. they love them. Everybody, Everybody does. does. But what I'm saying is they don't, they, they don't have the time I have. That's what I mean. It's like they can be in the shower going, Oh man, you know what? This is not my beautiful house. You know, this is not my beautiful wife. And then they go, holy shit, this is my beautiful house. And it is, I got to get to work. And then they go to work and work a job and pay their bills and they're, and they're happy. And that's what they need to do. But there are moments of reflection. I'm sure where they go, Jesus Christ. Yes. What if, cause, um, it, uh, all right. It's funny. This is, you'll laugh. A lot, a lot of the music, a lot of them, this is, this is going to sound so fucking lame, and I know it is. Uh, a lot of the music of my youth is dead to me. You know what I mean? I don't, I yes. don't find it. Uh, it doesn't spark me in any way. It doesn't energize me. I mean, Van Halen is Van Halen, certainly. But like at the same time, I don't ever need to hear running with the devil again. I know there are people who are like, oh my God, fucking Van Halen, running with the devil. Yeah. It's like, and that's that one. And you really got me. Um, no, there's a billion better songs by them. So those, those to me, it's like I, I, I once said, uh, you know, like like Tom Sawyer by Rush. I don't. I just. I don't. I don't need to hear it ever again. Exit the Warrior is what I say. Today's Tom Sawyer. <laughs> you can stay right off of my fucking off my Spotify or whatever the fuck. All these, but 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 uh, but sometimes but. you'll run into stuff that uh, that survives from your youth or survives from when you were a kid, and it and it hits you in a different way because we laugh about like Motley Crue, like Motley Crue has been around forever. They're still around. They do. Yes. And, and like, I've always said they're, they're the worst example for me. That's like I said, like holding up a mirror because I'm like, Hey man, if these four fucking junkies can still be working at this 40 <laughs> years later and, and they, and, and it's four junkies who, who literally created, in my opinion, like 15 moments of magic. I think the whole first album is brilliant. And then, and then there's like another eight songs that they have that are, that are phenomenal. They have 15 yeah. awesome fucking peak rock and roll type moments. And because of that, 
they continue to tour, even though their lead singer is a human gravy boat. Like they continue <laughs> to still go out and they, and people will pay to see them because nostalgia is the drug of a nation. It just, it is what you want. As I've mentioned before, I go to these shows where people go and they, uh, they dress their little kids up the way they used to look and they tease their fucking hair out. And so you'll go to these shows now where it's all these grownups who are paunchy with leather vests and chains that have rust on them. And then children who all look like Van Halen from the hot for teacher video, the little kids you know what i mean it's just like yay look look, i made i made a mini me of me who likes rat oh no is that awful that's the worst thing i've ever heard jesus christ let your kid find his own music he he totally wants to come out of the cellar with his rat persona no he doesn't this kid wants to fucking stop you from ever forcing him to like the things that you like and look as a child you, you like the things your parents like until you become yourself you know i loved elvis elvis and motown were like my mom's deal and so I was like, I was, that's what I listened to all the time growing up. And to this day, Elvis and Motown hit a spot for me where you're just yeah. like, yeah, that's genius. But then once I heard Kiss and I heard Van Halen and then you heard all these other bands and Pink Floyd and stuff, you're just like, oh, wow, fuck. All right. That's, so that's, that's you. Now, if my mom then consistently took me to go see the fucking Isley Brothers, who, again, nothing wrong with the Isley Brothers, but a 13-year-old white kid out of Bolingbrook, <laughs> Illinois isn't like, thank God, the Isley Brothers, except my friend Jeff and probably Max. Those guys would probably be like, yeah, awesome, let's see the Isley Brothers. <laughs> but but when I was a kid, you know, we're fine. That's when hair metal showed up and MTV arrived, and I'm, I'm watching, you know, these bands that I'd never heard or seen before. So, so to see these people kind of retcon their own children to retrofit into their own life Tetris style is fucking bananas to me sometimes. Um, but, but this week, <laughs> uh, I was, I was on Spotify and I had my shuffle on and something play and I was like, Holy fuck. Um, and I, and I heard, cause some band, like I said, some bands, I don't, you know, I, some rat stuff, like you hear a rat song, you're like, yay once in a while, but I don't need to hear a ton of rat stuff like Bon Jovi for me, Bon Jovi. I can hear a cut. There's some songs like like fucking singles cuts, you know, things like that. Like uh, yeah. deep deep cuts are great. I don't I don't ever need to hear "Wanted Dead or Alive" again. Like Boston, I never needed to hear Boston again until the pandemic came, and then I I heard fucking uh, is it more than a feeling? And I cried like cried. It was so stupid because it reminded me of being in 1977 and being 10, and I'm stranded in my house surrounded by disease. Going, oh man, remember when I was a kid? I could go outside and do whatever the fuck mm. I wanted. And my friend across the street, QJ, had his fucking radio on and more than a feeling came on. And we were like, what the hell is that? Because we'd never heard anything like it before in our lives. Uh, and so then the line, I see my Marianne walking away for some reason, leveled me during the pandemic to a point where I was almost sobbing at my desk because I was like, oh, yeah, Marianne gets to leave. Everybody leaves. Oh, my God, everybody fucking leaves. But you know what? I can't leave because of the goddamn germ. And then you're like, you're a fucking ball of knives just lying there fucking full of edges and tears. It's fucking ridiculous, man. I'm taking your Spotify away. Dude. Well, but that's the thing is like, uh, you know, when I used to talk to Shannon, like, because I, I, if I, if I just, I can so easily hide and do nothing. Like I said, I, you know what I I watched the, the fucking Food Network Tournament of Champions and here's the, you're going to make fun of me ridiculously. Uh, season four started Sunday. So I'm like, well, I got to watch the first three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. You did oh not. God. I got to watch all three seasons of this fucking tournament of champions. And again, it's, it's a, it's a show. One, once again, it's a show where salad gets a standing ovation for no reason. <laughs> but why are you clapping for a fucking onion pancake? Who are you as a society? 
if you're giving fucking Kung Pao chicken a whistle, I don't get it. All right. But I love it. I love watching because the way they did it, here's, here's how you snare me in. All right. Here's how you go ahead and make sure that you're going to get my attention and keep it. You create a food based show that has, that is involved in a sports like March Madness bracket presentation where chefs have to go head to head with one another and cook time blind tasting dishes. Dude, are you fucking, it's like they went, what is in Mike Schmidt's brain? The only thing that would be better is if like the ghost of Eddie Van Halen came in and played the theme song occasionally. Like, I mean, really, you know, or if, if, if to cleanse the palate between dishes from chefs, you ate pussy. Like, that's the only reason you would, that's, that's the only things that would appeal to me more. If you could, it's like sports and food. Are you fucking kidding me? God damn it. So I can lose myself in that stuff. So I watch, I literally watch three seasons. I'm not even joking. And, uh. And, and, uh, and guy, you know, Guy Fieri hosts it. And I will tell you this, Guy Fieri, all of season two, sick. He was ill. And I noticed it and I was just like, holy shit, what happened to this guy? Like he's so, his throat is gassed. But Did he, he has have no long haul COVID? He, he got sick. I went and researched it afterwards. Cause again, here's another thing with the tournament of champions. You don't want to know who advances. I don't even want to know who's in the goddamn bracket. I want to watch it unfold before my naked <laughs> eyes. So I can't go online and and Google was Guy Fieri sick during Tournament of Champions too because then they might say something like, "Well, once they crowned this champion, blah blah blah." Guy Fieri admit, oh, "No, don't tell me the champion. I haven't watched it yet. For fuck's sake, that's all ahead of me." Oh my god, it's a mystery. I can't wait to unwrap. It's like a, it's like a long ass fortune cookie. I can't wait to crack open. I don't even know what's inside it. Uh, but all I know is that the guy who handed me the fortune cookie had a raspy voice and had no enthusiasm. So I'm like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Because guy, look, Guy Fieri is not a guy you ever associate with the word understated. That's not a cat. I mean, literally, <laughs> the man lives in Flavortown, for Christ's sake. I mean, he's not exactly yeah. a guy you can count on to be subdued. But in season two of TOC2, or whatever the fuck it was called, they, call, they abbreviate Tournament Champions. I've watched all three seasons now. I think I can go ahead and comfortably abbreviate it. Uh, it's the TOC. And, uh, and he is on there and he's, his throat was, it, it just, it just sounded shredded. Like, cause normally he's a, you know, super basso profundo, like hitting the back of the room and like, yeah, flavor town. Woohoo. All right. Good Lord. Bury me in these. I, I could eat that without a flip flop. He's a, you know, he's full of uh, nonsense. Right. But all of his nonsense was, was in check. And he was more of a, uh, I hesitate to say, I hesitate to say an English presenter was like, oh, though these dishes are going to be delight- delightful, you know, like that kind of thing. He wasn't a golf fucking announcer, but it wasn't him. But then I, so in my brain, I was like, wait a minute, has the network given him a note? But I can't Google it because again, I'm, I'm, I'm still got TOC three to get through as well. So I don't want to know any champions. I don't want to know any contestants. And, uh, and once TOC two ends, I'm like, all right. And then I start TOC three and, uh, he's back to being Guy Fieri. And, and then I get to Google it. Uh, and I re- and they say, yes, he was sick during all of all of season two. He was ill because, you know, it's, here's a little secret too. those shows. You know, you watch them over the course of like three months, but they're filmed in two weeks. I mean, those yes. the, you know, all these shows are filmed in two weeks. Then they go to post and they, that's when they edit all the bullshit in. You know why? Why is that? The food would spoil otherwise. <laughs> you think so? If they, if they stretch it out. <laughs> um. So, so I, I watch that, you know what I mean? That's the thing I can, I, I lose myself in that. I, I can watch things, uh, and, and it keeps me docile. Uh, it, it, it keeps me, it's essentially like a, a, a visual quarantine because it keeps me from, from thinking or doing anything. I, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like it's, well, it's it makes a, too much sense. It's a cathode coffin. 
You know what I mean? That that I'm, I suspend myself in. You know what I mean? Where I I just because because I when I would talk to if if I had these stretches or whatever with Shannon, I would talk yeah. to her, and the times that was when I was going. I was still going to the gym consistently when I talked to, to Shannon, and I I never felt better. Like I I've I've talked about this many times. Waking up in the morning, going fuck, I gotta go to the gym. That that's that's the fucking hurdle. Oh my god, I gotta gotta I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of this bed. I gotta get dressed. I gotta get in the car. I gotta go. Oh man, I can't believe it. When I get there, I'll lift anything you got. I'll hop on the fucking treadmill. I'll I'll fucking rock out. It's it's it's. Then I'm I'm excited. When I would go to cardio at the at the gym by my house, to leave the gym, it's it's sunken in. Like you park on the street and then you have to walk down like 15 steps to get to the gym. So then I would, when I would be done, I'd be sweaty and fucking, you know, I'd run two or three miles and I'd walk up the steps and I'd stand in the sun and I would, I would do deep breaths. I would literally close my eyes and put my arms out, you know, Christ the Redeemer style. (laughs) And, uh, and I would just stare like with my eyes closed. I would have the sun. I would look up with the sun on my face and, uh, you know, in through the nose, out through the mouth six times in through the mouth, out through the nose six times in through the nose and out through the nose. I would take a series of yeah. like 20, 24 breaths. And I never felt better. I felt so good because then I'd get in the car and I'd drive home with the fucking windows down and the music loud. And it was just, it was like, it, it felt like I could do anything. It felt like, yeah, all right, here we go. Let's fucking do this. Who's, who's in my way. Um, but then, you know, when, when, and I've talked about this before in the morning, you'll be like full of vinegar. You're like, yes, I can't wait to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to do some somersaults, make a couple of flapjacks. going to be fun. And, uh, and then you get out of the shower and you get dressed and you're like, well, you know what, but let me throw uh, let me put on the tournament of champions there real quick. I turn that on <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding. Eight, eight hours later, I, you know, you're on the couch and you might've got, you might've gotten up once or twice to hit the head or get a glass of water, but, but holy shit, your day gets fucking usurped, like gone, man. And the pandemic rewarded you for that. Because you couldn't go anywhere anyway, so what the fuck were you doing? So you just kind of did it, and I—that was the—that was the, the trap I fell in, I suppose, and 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 I liked it because I don't mind. Like I said, you don't have to tell me fucking once to do nothing because I'll just fucking do it. <laughs> but this week, yes, this, this is what I'm saying. What what winds up shaking you out of it sometimes, like uh, like I said. The, the music of my youth really holds no charm for me. Sometimes it does. It has to hit me in the right way. But if I seek out music, I don't seek that out. I have a ton of playlists I've made of new stuff or old stuff or whatever, but it's never really like, I don't, I don't ever just sit down and listen to, you know, fucking Motley Crue or whatever. I just don't, I, you know, the shit that I grew up with, the hair metal and all that, it's just fucking, it's not even a button on my fucking car anymore. <laughs> um, but there are bands that survive that. Um, bands that were popular, but they weren't that like super popular. Like, so, so this particular week, this is going to sound ridiculous. Um, the band Night Ranger reentered my life and I'm going to be mocked by everybody and that's fine, but I'm an old person and Night Ranger was popular when I was a kid. And when they came out, they were not, Night Ranger wasn't. And I'm not going to wax, wax rhapsodic about Night Ranger. I mean, I, look, they're a band, whatever the fuck. But they, they're, they were just like a bar band that was great. Yes. It, it, not like John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, that kind of music, because they still played hard rock. They didn't play metal. That was the thing is they never did yes. that. And so for me, 
they were they've survived to 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 now in my brain as the band who you can't parody because they never leaned into the nonsense. I yes. mean, yeah, you know, Jeff Watson would wear the sleeveless fucking 80s shirt with the fucking bullseye stripes on it or whatever the fuck. But but the unbelievably perfectly named Jack Blades was the front guy. <laughs> How great is that name? How great is the name Jack Blades? And Brad Gillis and fucking Kelly Keegy and the, the whole and fucking Alan Fitzsimmons who then joined Van Halen on the road to be their keyboard player. Who do you love, Keegy? I love all of them. They played Grad Night at uh, Disney World the year I graduated. No, I got way. to hear Sister Christian at Disney World. Oh my God! The dude, year I graduated, it was a memory that I am like, this is so stupid that I'm enjoying this this much. Yeah, but no, but but it's not. That's that's but, what I mean. But it is though because it is so. Everything is so temporary. Right? It, yeah. But but. but... But when but you, it meant when you a realize, lot. It was cool. Yes, everything is so temporary. But then when you think about it now, you think at that at at the moment you heard Sister Christian at Disney World, that's all there was. Yeah. There there it wasn't temporary at all. In in that moment, your your feet were on the ground and your ears were wide open and you were hearing what quite frankly you didn't even realize was going to be a special moment that stayed with you for the next well, 40 years. But here's the thing. It didn't. All of a sudden, one day I remembered it because I don't live but, in that house anymore. But, but I really, truly you. don't. But it lives it, in you. It will come up periodically. Right. But I, I just, I, I've done too many things and I don't have a good memory, unfortunately. And uh, yes, and I have too. I, please, please don't take this to mean i boy i i want to live like it was 1982 no, or I'm, I'm this weird throwback think, idiot I'm, i don't I, think that at all but it's like in a million years i wouldn't be sitting in bed thinking about what happened in high school i'm too concerned about what's going to happen in the future because i don't know how many years i have left yes understood. what music is coming out that i can look forward to yes that's but what where I'm saying, i am yes but what i'm saying is that's true yeah. But then when you think to yourself, uh, where it throws me, it doesn't you, apparently, you're, you're Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, and you're like, I am I'm so not. excited for no, this I amazing have moments. future. Uh, okay, well, I have moments, too. And those moments, like I said, when something like that comes up, it then throws me back into that moment, and then I go, and then I will immediately start to go through my mental Rolodex of everything I did wrong between then and now. That's a that's a trigger then. That's not a good thing. I look back at it and I'm like, God, I was so young and stupid then. And, I, you know, I'm really glad I have that experience, but I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. And I. I think I right. used to worry about all of that. I used to think about, God, I remember that stupid outfit I wore and I was made fun of that day. And nobody in school, I felt like nobody in school liked me, even though I was very popular in school. And I, I, and then I go, why are you, that was 20 years ago. Who cares? I don't even know where those people are. And I go move on. You have to. Yeah. It's hard, but you have to. You I've can't... moved on. I yeah. understand. You, you, you're, no, I mean in that moment. Missing... At... No, no, no. I mean in that moment at four in the morning when you're sitting there and you're counting all of the things you did wrong. I, I just have to go, what can I do tomorrow to be different than where I am right now? Yeah, I, I you're better than me. 
because because I, I don't I'm I don't want to sit there. I'm not a perpetual motion machine who's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, tomorrow is better. Let's do this. I can't wait. No, I can I can hang out in the morass quite a bit. There's no doubt. <laughs> I know you can. Yeah, and and it's it's a strange thing, and it it lays me low. It just fucking does. And it's not like I'm boohooing or I'm sad or whatever. I'm I'll, I told you I've said this many times on here before. I laugh at myself. I'll literally yes. laugh and go, "You're gonna die, dude. This is fucking hilarious. Like you're literally gonna die." It's still trying to grab the same carrot or or grasp at the same fucking straws and also i so then i think of what i could have done in the last 30 years to make it easier to have those carrots and straws that's what i mean it's it's just but you, you can't can, you can't change the past you can't do something different in the past right but you can sit in the in the present and go jesus christ what did i do in the past fuck <laughs> Holy shit. I know I can't change it. That's because that's another thing. You're like, you act like I'm like, oh boy, I, w- I wish I could change it. No, it's more of a goddamn sitting here. I'm ruining. I'm ruining is what I'm doing. I'm yeah. ruining the decisions and the, the choices I made that led me. Because again, and look, I've been in a hamster wheel on this fucking show forever. People have heard me say this same sentiment over and fucking over, and I'm sure it exhausts them because I, I will say stuff where I'm just like, you know what, man? This is it. Here we go. Here's the big start. This is when we change it. It's going to be this. It's going to be the Attaboy Fit Club. It's going to be the the year of I will. It's going to be the, you know, the Rocky with a blog, whatever the fuck, all these different things to change and change. And you know what hasn't changed me? I've, I've changed all these methods of attack and I've given lip service to a bunch of shit that I could do and then didn't do any of it. I disagree. And, and, you did a lot of it. Yes. If I want to go ahead and look at, there are good things I've done. I know this. I'm not, I, I'm, I know offense. I don't know what I'm saying is I don't think anybody goes, Oh, there he is again doing that. I think people have seen all of the things you've done. It's just, we're maybe, all on a wheel. That's cool. Maybe I'm projecting the fact that I'm exhausted with myself and the fact that I can't fucking make the move. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. And I think to myself that maybe people don't want to hear me constantly going, ah, you know what? It's going to change. I'm sure it's going to change, right? Because uh, And then people have been very kind. They reach out and they're like, look, man, we're going to listen to you no matter what, which makes me question them quite frankly i'm not gonna lie to you i don't know are you are you you're hoping to hear an, an on-air death maybe that's what you're looking for maybe that's their, they're all that's what we're all waiting on they're waiting they're like all right you know what this guy's gonna bud dwyer at some point we got to be there for it we've invested this much time we can't possibly not be there for the press conference when he's dead a fucking lead sandwich i mean like, clearly this has got to happen um i don't know man i so so whatever so i got so that happened you know, for the past 10 days, it is a dumb thing where I was like, why? Why shouldn't exist? Why shouldn't exist? You should, you should get it out of your lexicon. And yet there it is. It looms. It's so, it's so for me, not for other people who are all thrilled, but, but for me, man, I, I, because I, I find myself resenting things um, from from my upbringing, <laughs> um, and 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 I, you know, you dwell. Why do you dwell? Don't dwell. There shouldn't be there shouldn't be a why. There shouldn't be any dwelling. But you know what? It's it's so you know you know what stops the dwelling? The toc. Oh my goodness! You know what I wish? I wish they had made infinite tournaments of champions. So then I could just, that would just be my mainline drug because when, when I finished all three seasons, I was like, Oh no. And I literally, because they started season four on Sunday, I finished, uh, this is complete. 
this is completely true. What? I finished I finished Tournament of Champions 3 at 8.30 Sunday morning. Wow. Uh, it's been one of those weeks where I, I go to bed about 11.30 a.m. And then I, uh, I wake up about 7.30 p.m. See, I'm still getting my eight hours, which is good. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I'm living upside down. And I have been for the, about the past, you know, 10 days. Um, and that, so it ended at 8.30 in the morning. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm caught up finally. So now I can actually Google and find out some answers to some questions. Uh, but the thing is with Discovery Plus, it, it says, you know, to play the next episode automatically. You know, yeah. you know the streaming. And it started Tournament of Champions Season 4, Episode 1. And I was so grateful I had to pause it. <laughs> I, like, I paused it. I went, wait a minute. Because it was, I finished it Sunday morning, when, and it was supposed to premiere Sunday night. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'll probably go to bed now. And then I'll, when I, by the time I wake up, I'll be able to thrill myself with the new Tournament of Champions bracket to the unveiling of the bracket. Very important. Um, what that means. Uh, do you ever do you know what March Madness is? Yeah. You ever see the the like the top sixty four teams and they go down to thirty two, they go down to sixteen, yeah. they go down to eight. Yeah. yeah. So they have a bracket, but they fill it with chefs. Oh, okay. The bracket. Yes. That's and the what chefs, that's called. It tells you what chef has to fight what chef, and uh, and then who they'll play in the second round and who they'll fight in the third round and that kind of thing. So and so they'll bring in all the chefs into the room and then they unveil the bracket right to their face because they don't know where they are in the bracket. So they'll be like, here's the number one seed, Jet Tila. Yeah, I didn't know it was called you know, a bracket. Okay, oh, I know what it is. That's it's, cool. It's yeah, Right? It's fucking cool. You're like, okay. And then all the chefs are excited. They got it, And they realize that they got to fight. The only thing I will say, though, is uh, there's, a, there's a lot of chefs that you want to punch. <laughs> there's just uh, these, like, fucking chefs that are human cartwheels. You know what I mean? Like, they're out there. Because, look, I just, just do me a favor make make a kanji all right just make a fucking rice pudding or something do something just make something and and be an efficient chef be an awesome badass chef you know who the ideal chef is for these competitions michael voltaggio mike voltaggio was on top chef and he is just he is the guy's built like a switchblade i mean he's just a fucking he's all just whip it gristle held together by tattoo ink that's who he is he looks like a dude who worked in a million kitchens and probably sexually harassed a million women and was oh. Mean to a million Dominicans. He's just, he's the guy that you want to fucking win because he's like, he's that evil fucking chef who you're like, this, this guy's glowering. Like, he doesn't buy any of the Guy Fieri bullshit. Guy Fieri will be out there and be like, here comes the vault from the West. And, you know, yeah, everybody's going to go out there. And Michael Voltage is just staring a hole through his opponent. And I'm watching it going, this is exactly who I would be. This is exactly, you, you would just be a fucking absolute monster just in and, and and then by the end they're also making re they're making reference to it you're like this guy's just fucking here for business and they'll, they'll spin the randomizer they have a thing which tells you what you have to cook with whatever the fuck and voltage will just stand there all the other chefs are like oh my god no i don't want that oh my god i can't cook with a takoyaki pan and they're all like their their guts are being twisted with an imaginary stick and michael voltage is just sitting there steely stared and guy fieri will go you have any questions and he'll just go no <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck if you roll a brontosaurus and I have to make it in a goddamn parchment paper pan. I'll fucking do it. That's who he is. That's who you're rooting for. He's just, he's like the fucking, he's the Navy special fucking, Navy SEAL special forces chef who could just do fucking anything and make you feel terrible about it and then bring you the head of your, his enemy. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's these other chefs who show up and they're all like, you know, they have a Hello Kitty on their apron. You're going to go, you're going to die. Immediately, you're going to fucking die. And look, they're all very accomplished chefs. 
they have television shows of their own. They have their own fucking restaurants and things like that. But then they, there's this dude. Oh, there's a dude. Fuck. I don't even like, I don't even think it's his real last name. If it's his real last name, fine. And then he leaned into it. Fine. I, just because his name. All right. There's a chef named Brian Malarkey. Not even joking. <laughs> That's his fucking name. And Guy Fieri gives all these like really ham handed nicknames to all the chefs. And it's just like, dude, don't you? I'm, and, and again, I'm, I'm not I'm not against Guy Fieri at all. That's what Guy Fieri does. That's his whole deal. He's a carnival barker who can also make you a fucking corn dog. That's fine. He can he can lead you into the he can sell tickets to the tunnel of love and then run over and make you a blooming be- a beat or whatever the fuck. Uh, that's who he is. He's that guy. That's he's not he's not Michael Voltaggio who who would kill you with a meat tenderizer and wouldn't blink. God damn it. Uh, so, so this Brian Malarkey guy, his, his whole deal, he was on top chef a million years ago and, and I, he disappeared thankfully from my radar. And so I was like, cause I hated him on top chef. And then he came back for top chef all stars and look, is he a good chef? Yeah, I suppose <laughs> Asian influenced, whatever the fuck, but I don't care because he's so much of a fucking over the top knucklehead. You're just like, Jesus Christ. He looks like a Pez dispenser. He's just all fucked up. I mean, I'm just not a fan. So he fucking he shows up on the fucking bracket like in tournament of champions one and i was like oh this is where this guy because i haven't seen him in years i'm like fuck but then i find out later as i'm able to find out he's like found a living in in all of guy fieri's shows he's on like guys grocery games and like all these fucking of course because those are well because that's all fucking carnival bullshit that's not cooking god damn it (laughs) that's not michael voltaggio somewhere in the dark making you a soup that only the devil himself would eat that's just fucking brian whatever the fuck making sunshiny bullshit with a cotton candy machine so that's who fucking so malarkey comes out and i'm like oh i fucking hate malarkey and so (laughs) but you know what's funny this is completely true there's another guy who works on the show named justin warner and he won a he won a uh, a Food Network next celebrity star or whatever the fuck he won the contest, and uh, his 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 whole milieu his whole fucking milieu. presentation yes indeed <laughs> his whole presentation can be defined in two words food dork that's who he is he's the food dork Alton Brown can also be considered a food dork but Alton Brown is another guy who gives off a an air of gravitas and also he was really he was legitimately funny on his like good eats show and informative and smart uh and then he's now transformed into this weird angry character who i don't care for so much but whatever you do what you got to do to stay afloat in the in the heavy world of of food network um but this guy justin warner he's a sideline reporter for the uh tournament of champions which i know sounds ridiculous too but what he does is he takes notes on what everybody does, and then he presents the dish to the celebrity, to the chefs when they come in to taste, like the celebrity judges. But Justin Warner, I don't, he's not for me. Justin Warner's just, uh, he looks like if, if Mark Price from Family Ties had Down Syndrome. I mean, he's just that, got that kind of fucking skull, like a weird kind of a, it looks like his head was kind of squeezed in a vice, but instead of closing his teeth, then separated. He's just, he's just a weird looking dude, man. He's odd. And for some reason, they're styling him in a way where it looks like they called in a hobo off the street to judge these dishes. I think it makes no sense. He's wearing suits that are too big for him. He's just, he's dressed. He's the other dude is this English dude, Simon Majumdar, and they dress him like he's in the lockers. I mean, he's just got like bright colors and weird hats and shit. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But Justin Warner is supposed to be the old business science guy. But 
so anyway, so if Justin Warner's not for me, but then after watching the TOC, I was like, okay, I can see a certain food dork appeal to this guy. I understand kind of what he's going for here. But then I Google it. People love this fucking guy. Like all these he people, looks like them. Like on Reddit and everything. Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? Like that's always the thing. It's just like when people are like, ah, he's the president I want to have a beer with. And I'm like, I don't want to have a fucking beer with the president. I want him to fire missiles and write on bills. I don't want to fucking hang out with it's, this dude. It's not that. It's that we, we live in a world where people are tired of being told all of the things they're supposed to do and look like and be in order to be successful. You know what? I just want to be me. And like I, a, I relate to that. Uh, really? Yes, I absolutely relate to it when I'm like, hey, that could be me. You want like a president in like Bermuda shorts and like a fucking cozy to go out there and be like, hey, maybe we'll shoot some missiles. Maybe we won't. Well, it depends if he's at a formal event. No, but but if he if his suit is slightly ill fitting and he doesn't look like he's trying to sell me the Brooklyn Bridge, I feel a little more comfortable. Well, I don't want a shark skin president either. Yeah. I, don't want to, I don't want to buy a car yeah, from a mean, president. But that's I mean, why that's why people who are homesy or, you know, whatever just come across no man like I, one of us i can't i just can't anymore <laughs> i'm regular all right i'm a regular dude i i sometimes i think i'm the fucking talent and i got i got my uzi weighs a ton and sometimes i'm a fucking goof i get it i understand that but i see like when i hear these like all right you got me like i started watching tiktok right as, as I, <laughs> I, I sorry it's it's fine i mean because again the brilliance exhibited by a lot of people who do stuff for there's a guy I follow out of he's got to be out of Japan. His name's like Bayashi or something. I think he's got 11 million followers. It's ridiculous. And he puts out food clips. And the other day he put out it was really funny because his food clips are about 90 seconds long. And it's him making some crazy dish. And then he eats the dish and he gives thumbs up at the end. It's he's just an he's a really good looking guy. Just it's just an appealing channel. It's fun. It's all super fast cuts of him cooking and doing it real super fast. Okay. Well, the other day he put up a behind the scenes video and part of me wondered if he did it to go, Hey, I'm working here. You know what I mean? Where people, cause a lot of times you look at these TikTok channels and it's just, you know, it's some asshole who breaks a bottle on his head. That's good. It's another thing we've devolved into that. Like there's a slap fighting show. Now it's all these fucking, anybody can, anybody, you can point a camera at fucking anything and call it a show. That's it. It's just Stop now making stupid people famous. <laughs> But that's but that's the way it rolls. Like I they they canceled some show. They canceled Mindhunter, Netflix. Okay, Did you watch Mindhunter? No. Okay. It's it was a brilliant show about this the the evolution of the profiler wing of the FBI. About uh, David Fincher created it, directed it, wrote wrote some of them. Caught an episode. Yeah, be, the reason you might remember it is because it was the become becoming profilers. The first season, like they interviewed this guy Ed Kemper. They used real serial yeah. killers as characters. Yeah. Uh, son of Sam Manson, you know, and they went and interviewed them. And so they were part of the show, but then also there was other, you know, real part, like the, one of the guys from the FBI, his kid might've been kind of showing some serial killer tendencies and shit. It was, it was an incredibly interesting show, but it was entertaining. The music choices were fucking brilliant. It was awesome. Okay. Whoa. And, uh, they announced Netflix and, uh, David Fincher was like, yeah, no, they're, they're not going to go ahead with a third season ever because you know, the it was just, it costs too much for them, you know, cause the clearing the music, I'm sure. And all this other stuff. And I just, I just, when I saw it, I just went great. More dating weirdos and unreasonably complicated prawn eating contests. You know what I mean? Because, because that's all you need is a cost camera. Production. Yeah. Cost cam production. A camera and two idiots. Yeah. That's it. And a remote location. And you could just go and you can make and create a show called, Hey, we're digging. 
And, and literally, it's just two people. And they're like, hey, you guys don't have a shovel, but you can't use your hands. Make a hole. And then you spend 40 minutes of them searching for shells or whatever the fuck around the beach trying to dig a hole. Holy shit, that actually sounds like a pretty good show. Oh, I, I got to be honest. I'm not kidding. I came up with that like as a dumb fucking show. I think like, you need to pitch it immediately to Netflix. That's a, would you, I think I would watch Hey, We're Digging. I'm not even kidding. If you went, if you send people to some fucking location, like anywhere, it could be, it could be the Arctic. It could be a, a desert island. It could be a fucking Jamaica. And you're like, all right, guys, we make a hole. It's got to be three feet deep. No shovels. You got to scour the island for whatever you can use and you can't use your hands. Go. And just this follow them around the island as they looked for fucking tools and implements just to try to dig a fucking hole. Holy shit. I just created an awesome show. <laughs> oh, like that. People would watch the shit out of dig. Hey, we're digging. God damn it. It's awesome. Uh, I can only hope that my fucking host doesn't get sick the second season and not bring his own <laughs> big booming personality. What will the bracket be like for Hey, we're digging? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but my point is like that's I mean, so when they when they god i'm not even joking like hey we're digging sounds like that sounds like a goddamn that's <laughs> you, a project you, i could get behind you need to get over to the writer guild right now and get that thing let me ask you <laughs> something guild truthfully with the whining i've done on this fucking show about how my fucking past has formed my future and what a failure i am and fucking hiding in the dark what if Hayward digging was the fucking the lamplight <laughs> that led me out of the darkness what if that somehow I, someone overheard it here or somebody said something and then they were like, yeah, let's, let's, let's order 12 of those. And I fucking wound up with this, like just some fucking windfall. Oh my Christ. All right. I think you uh -huh. need to get on this. Who can we call? Who do we know? Who can, how do we get a meeting? Well, first of all, we got to keep it quiet. So big shovel doesn't hear about it because if they, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is it sponsored by ACE hardware where you oh. could get. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you don't want, you don't want to be, you don't want to be like these fucking idiots. Go to Home Depot and get a shovel. There you go. Um, I want to. I'm. I'm all for Ace Hardware right now. Um, only because, because I. I found out they changed their slogan from Ace is the place with the helpful hardware man to Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folk. And I went. I love them because they're not homophobic like the like the old CEO of Home Depot. I know you hate me because I'm woke. You're diseased. No, you're diseased. It's not even woke. You're just fucking diseased. <laughs> if you really, I know you're having fun. If you're having fun, great. But if you really think that, get help. I, mean, I, will, su I will support Ace over that. I can't wait to go look and see what their new store has involved. <laughs> I, well, look, if you're going to go that far, well, then why not, why not go with Ace is the place with the helpful hardware woke? Just call it that. Just drop folk. Because folk is the term for everything now. That's why they did it. It's awesome. No, it's it's not it's not awesome. Why it's is ridiculous. it not awesome that you're inclusive? I don't mind that you're inclusive. Be as inclusive as you want. Here's all right. Let's put it this way: the fact that they did that, I have no issue with it at all. Yeah. The issue I have is with all of the rabble rousers going. You should do that. You should change it. What the fuck? What's wrong? What's I don't bad? think there were rabble rousers. I think they just decided that good for they them. wanted to be inclusive. They got, so they got ahead yeah. of it. Good for them. Yeah. And there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the change. Get ahead of it. Maybe they just want. You know what would be cool if we were like inclusive. We better get ahead. What of this. are you getting ahead of? We need to get ahead of this. Before what are you they getting come. ahead of? You know why? Because here's what happened. About 20 people went to an Ace Hardware and they bought pitchforks. <laughs> and then they went outside and they shook them and they said, hey, change the slogan. I don't think that's the case. I think that's exactly what happened. And Ace Hardware was like, well, you know, on, on one hand, we got all their pitchfork money. That's sweet, sweet pitchfork money. <laughs> but now 
oh, hoisted on our own petard, they use them against us. Um, it's interesting that that you looked at it as though it was a polarizing thing that they did in reaction to something instead of just thinking that maybe they just... Because that's what everybody does. You know why? Because yesterday I had to see a clip where fucking Ben Stein cried <sighs> about syrup or whatever the fuck. I'm like, I don't... Oh, who ben gives Stein. a fuck? What do you care? What do you fucking care? He's, ben he's Stein like, is the worst. But And but, I mean, I knew he was bad. But it's not he even about funny, him. but he was bad. It's not even about him. It's, it's about... Uh, he does the dumb thing. All right, like we've talked about this a billion times. He does the dumb thing, and then for fucking 18 hours, everybody has to come in and get their dunk on. Like, it's like he's been, all right, they find the clip of him bitching about syrup or whatever the fuck, which is stupid. It's just a stupid thing, right? And so then that's like they lock him in the public stocks. Once they find the clip, he's locked in the public stocks, and then for the next 18 hours, everybody gets to come by and fuck him in the ass with their own special take on why it's stupid that I, Ben Stein doesn't like syrup. And it's like, you're all dumb. You're all dumb. I Who don't, the fuck I cares don't, if this asshole doesn't like syrup? It's not because he doesn't like syrup. It's that he is a horrible person and part of the system that makes everything bad. And it's okay to say that. He, but you know what? Go look at that clip and look at his kitchen and tell me he's part of the system that makes everything bad. He's just like an old man in a sweater bitching about the past when he's going to be dead soon. You know what that is? The first half hour of this podcast. I don't see your sweater. I'm him. I'm just not talking about fucking syrup. I'm talking about Night Ranger. Yeah, except, again, you're going to get mad at me for saying it, but he is a prime example of exploiting other people in order to make money in the worst oh, ways possible. God. But he's not. He's but an he old is. fucking idiot. No, no, it's he is all not. It's so stupid. It's all so fucking dumb. Uh, whatever. Again, I, you you either change the system or you break the system and start over. It's all you can do. And we are at the point of the system is going to break on its own. Fine. <laughs> I don't, so anyway, I don't, it I don't bothers care. me that you even have to get a sponsor for let's go digging. You have let's, to. Let's that's go digging. Way. Yeah, hey, but, hey, but that's digging. the problem. Everything has to be sponsored. Art has to be sponsored. Uh, you know, it it. It makes me crazy that we can't be artists and sell things at a reasonable price and trade for food and do all of the things that we need to survive as humans and fill our souls and our stomachs. And instead, we got to write a show and pitch it and hope it gets made and hope we get enough money to make up for the last 30 years of being underpaid. Yes, yes, we all. And wish, then we die anyway. We all wish we were <laughs> Michelangelo making sketches for wine. You know what I mean? We I, all Michelangelo wish Michelangelo didn't sketch. make sketches for wine he made sketches for the uh for the church and made Fine. a lot of money because of it toulouse lautrec is sitting in a fucking in an open air fucking french courtyard he died poor yes yeah but he's but he's drawing on napkins for fucking croissants yes, yes. we all wish we could go back to that wouldn't that I, be fantastic i don't wish we could go back to that i wish that there was a way to make a living without having to worry about our basic necessities well yes don't we all and yet here we are. Here we are. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing you can. You. It's never not in our lifetime. Mr. Man. Christian, all the time has come. See, you're thrust right back. I don't know, man. Oh, I that eight, just... that 18 year old is not this 57 year old at all. You know, I mean, no, that's... no, because when you were 18, if you ever brought up the ace is the place for help, welcome, your friends would have beaten you to death with that. Sticks. Is not true. I was actually an instigator for recycling and all of the things to try to make the world a better place. I just didn't understand how rigged the system was. And look where that got you disabled.
recycling, recycling at 18. And now I'm hearing all these stories about a plastic planet that somehow has replaced ours. Well, we have a plastic planet. Here, here's a set. You want to hear a sentence that'll terrify you? You want to hear a sentence I read yesterday? And look, everybody knows this. I'm not giving anybody any secrets. Uh, but just to read it when you see it in print, you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, they're finding microplastics in breast milk. Yes. Now, just that just that phrase. And and then you just go, and I'm supposed to pay taxes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you you expect me to stop watching the tournament of champions when you're finding <laughs> microplastics in breast milk? And also, how did that how did that happen? Or were they just like, hey, Rachel, before you leave, give us a couple of give us a couple of shots here into the old glass so we can go ahead and put it under the microscope and see if you're carting around a fucking couple of water bottles inside your fucking breast milk. And she was, oh my God, she was. It's Well, again, they found it in the fish. And once they found it in the fish, they went, well, if we're consuming fish, it has to be in humans. So they started doing human testing. And again, I know it shocks you that I know these things, but I, I do follow it because I do think that we fucked this planet up and I don't think that we can turn it around. Should have stopped at mercury. Once they found mercury in the fish, they just said, you know what? I, these fish are not the treasure trove that we need to open up. We know this is like, let's go ahead and keep the lid closed on big fish and not go ahead and fucking open these guys because who knows what we're going to find in these fucking dudes, fucking wait, uranium and shit. Wait till you see what comes out of the, uh, the uh, train crash and the, every time more information comes out that they're trying to hide. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Here's everything you need to know about that, about this country and this world right now. Say, say, that sentence again. Well, wait till we find out everything about the train crash and, and how stop. it's going to affect. No, no, stop. Stop it. Crash. Say that. Okay. <laughs> wait till we find out everything about the train crash. Which one? <laughs> well, yeah. There you go. That says everything you need to know about what's going on now. Well, it's the same thing with the school shootings. I, one of my favorite TikToks right now is, you know, all of all of the um, mass shootings that have happened since the beginning of the year happened with men that had guns. So I... I am now for gun control. Um, men shouldn't have guns. <laughs> and I just went, well, you know. Let me tell you something. You know, all these kids who ate a bullet, it's unfortunate. It's a terrible thing. Nobody likes school shootings, but at least they didn't have to see Ben Stein crying about fucking syrup. <laughs> oh. If you told, wow. you told some freshman, hey, I got news for you. In two weeks. No, no, don't do this. Some old game show host who used to work for Nixon is going to cry about his breakfast in a public forum. He would have said, you know what? I'm going to go tackle this gunman right the fuck now and let the chips fall where they may. Because I don't think I can expose myself to this fucking grandfather Oof. in four layers of fucking clothing whining about maple liquid. You fuck. Maple liquid. Ugh. Also, comedy show. Also, also, you fucking famous for 8,000 years, motherfucker. How are you not buying organic good syrup? What the fuck is wrong with you that you're buying Aunt Jemima's plastic bottle? Because I was going to say, when you were saying he's the system corrupting us, watch yeah. the clip and look at his kitchen. It looks like mine. Where the fuck do you live? What what hole in the wall do you did you wind up at after hosting shows forever and making cameo appearances and being a guy who supposedly, I guess, was it a... a conservative icon and made a ton of fucking dough speaking engagements, whatever the fuck. And now you're holding a plastic bottle of fucking store-bought syrup and whining <laughs> in a kitchen with drawers from 1940. What the fuck, man? Go be rich. No, they hoard their money. They don't go out and buy 
top of the line stuff. There are two types of rich people, those that are rich and save their money and those who pretend they're rich and try to look rich and spend all their money and actually on paper are extremely poor. I was that guy during the pandemic, that second guy, because, you know, uh, I was I had nowhere to go. I wasn't buying any gas or anything. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to upgrade my game. I right now in my fridge, I have a really good syrup. I, I have an amazing <laughs> I have an amazing syrup in my fridge right now. Pandemic splurge. Oh, dude. Well, I I, I became a sauce guy during the pandemic. You know this. I know. Uh, Our good friend Ruben sent me some uh, Capital City Mambo sauce. Uh, I bought Bobby's boat sauce. I bought some. I've got some habanero hot sauce. I got a ton of sauce here. I got Old Bay uh, uh, hot sauce. I get tons of stuff. I became a sauce guy during the pandemic. Again, as I've said, if somehow you came to my house and padlocked the door, and you just and you said, you know what? You'll stay alive just for like four hours a day. You got to open your blinds, and people will come in and stare at you. I'd be good. I'd be fine. I got a, I got fucking streaming services. I got books. I got the internet, and I got all the sauces you could possibly need. <laughs> and I was never a sauce guy. Never. You know this? I didn't eat a freestanding cheese. I didn't like a sauce. And now, my my opinions, my feelings have evolved on these. There is a freestanding cheese I will eat. It's a caramelized onion cheese from Boar's Head. <laughs> I don't mind a mozzarella. I don't mind a string cheese. Oh my god! <laughs> so there are good things as you age. Not only, not just from hiding from the world, but at the same time, <laughs> your tastes evolve to where you get the really good fucking syrup. Uh, and I can tell the difference. That's the thing. Oh, you know why? Because the the really good organic syrup, it just it tastes like you're licking a bear. Oh my god, is it good? It just oh Jesus. Tastes just like being in the woods and just putting your tongue on fucking everything. It's fucking delightful. It it tastes it tastes like the yelp of a fox. Oh, what does the fox say? That's good damn syrup. That's what he says. Uh, but also, but this is also from the pandemic. It's still in my fridge, which shows you I don't need a lot of syrup. I, I the times I've eaten it, I've been like, this is oh my god, what a delight. Uh, but I will say that I don't, I don't consume nearly as much syrup because I will want, you know what, when I make a waffle, I make a breakfast sandwich, I, I throw some butter on it and then ham and cheese. And normally you can throw, I've, I used to throw a little maple on that, but then I was like, eh, cause I got to pick the damn thing up. Then your hands are getting all sticky. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes a sticky handed gentleman. Oh, um, well, I'm, I'm being honest. I, I think I speak for the masses when I say nobody <laughs> likes a sticky handed gentleman. I throw it out there. If you disagree, please write me a note. Going back to my youth, that is my favorite ZZ Top song. <laughs> Sticky and a gentleman. Jesus went to El Paso. Sticky had a gentleman on the train. Uh, could you hear that through my beard? My beard was covering up my mouth there. I don't know if you heard it. I don't have, actually, I, I don't have the beard, so it probably didn't sound like ZZ Top because they have the beard filter. Everything they have goes through the beard filter. <laughs> And it makes it sound complete. That's, the, that's how ZZ Top gets their unique sound. Everything comes through the beard filter. Although we lost one. Who did we lose? Did we lose Dusty or Frank? I do not know the names of the members of ZZ Top. We have, well, there's Billy Gibbons, uh, who plays guitar with a Mexican peso. Uh, and then Frank Hill. And Wait, Dusty. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of a pick, he uses like a, he uses a Mexican peso. To okay. Play. It's a heavier uh, thing for him. Okay. Um, Billy Gibbons, legendary guitarist. Yeah. Uh, honestly. I mean, well, yeah. Jimi Hendrix said Billy Gibbons was the greatest guitarist he'd ever seen. Hmm. That's a true statement. That's a real story. Um, 
And then, uh, and then, so it's dust, and it's Dusty Hill and Frank Beard. Yes, I don't know. Yeah. Yes, it's Dusty Hill and Frank Beard. That's should, I well, at, should I fact check you? I don't think you need to, but if you'd like to go ahead, and I think we just, I think we've <laughs> lost uh, Frank. I think we lost Frank. Frank Beard may have uh, succumbed for, to beard lung. I think he died of beard <laughs> lung because because inhaling uh, actual beard, and then also when you trim the thing, well, you just can't help it. It's like asbestos. It just goes right into the old uh, into the old windpipe, and then eventually you die of beard lung. You ever have, like, you cut hair, right? You've cut people's hair. I, I have. Dude, it's sharp as hell, right? Isn't that thing where they... Yeah. You can get cut. Like, if you if you chop off hair, you got to be very careful. You, you don't get cut. It comes into you like a sliver and can yeah, yeah. cause real damage. Yeah. Um, oh, and Dusty disgusting. is the one who passed away in 2021. Oh, yeah. I thought we lost I did Frank. look it up. No. We lost Dusty. So we lost Dusty Hill, I believe, right? Yeah. And Frank Beard. Okay, we lost yeah. Dusty Hill. Yeah. Um, so l- let me ask you this. Are ZZ Top still uh, a functioning unit? I don't know if they are. Are Billy and Frank, did they replace Dusty Hill? How are you, and how are you going to find another bearded idiot? I mean, that's another thing, too. Like, you got to. Why does he have to be an idiot? Because he has listen, a beard. Let me ask you something. Uh, have you ever spoken to Dusty? Of course. He's a fucking, mm. he's a babbling moron. Billy's the brains of the outfit. You are wow. not the first person to ask this question because what I am the? currently reading the U.S. Sun. And it says, who are the members of ZZ Top? And then it says, um, the original band members, including vocalist Billy Gibbons, Frank Beard, and bassist Dusty Hills. After Hills' death, the band replaced him with Elwood Francis. And it said that fans did not know if they would survive. Wow. But he's been replaced. Oh, my God. That Honestly, that's just sad to me. Like, you can't. For some reason, other bands Come can on, get Van away Halen with Van Halen went out with fucking Billy, not Billy Crystal. That's not right. Might have gone with Billy Crystal. It's not bad. Van Halen went out with, what the fuck is his name? Billy. Van Halen out there with Mr. Saturday Night. Billy Squire. The no. Who, 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 who did they do? Sammy Hager. Well, I mean, it, yeah. honestly. Well, all right, but that's a terrible example, and here's why. They had number one albums with Sammy Hagar. They went out with Gary Sharon. That would have been the way to go. Okay. because they, Anybody they made... can be replaced. That's but, the thing. But yeah, no, not not with fucking Black Francis uh, from from <laughs> where's Black Francis from the Pixies? I don't know. I'm lost. That's that's one I should remember completely. See, people are gonna rent me like Bob Mould and uh, Husker Du, Black Francis and Husker Du, I believe, along with our friend Bob. Mould. Again, the fact so the... that you can pull these names just blows my mind because I am literally sitting here sometimes going, who was the chick with the curl that sang all around the world? And then I finally remember it and I'm like, I have to play every Lisa Stansfield song there yeah. is. <laughs> and then I'm like, I never need to hear Lisa Stansfield again. I was hoping you didn't know because I was going to go Lisa Stansfield. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> By the I, way, Alexa does not find her when you say, who's the chick with the curl on the side of her face? She doesn't? <laughs> does not, she does not come up with the answer. Well, she might have come up with Prince. Remember when he used to have that little <laughs> oh, kind of curly cute doily on the side of his head? Oh. Um, <laughs> all right. So I, I don't. Uh, all right. I So now I'm actually thrown that ZZ Top <laughs> didn't miss a beat and just brought up. Brought in because there's only three of them. Because, look, I don't think there's an original OJ left on the planet. All right. But yet they're still out there fucking trotting the boards every summer festival you can fucking find. <laughs> so uh, you want to find an OJ. You, uh, look, you can't you can't swing a cat without hitting an OJ at summer festivals. All right. They're there and they're doing it, whether it's the originals or not. Well, don't cover your mouth. Laugh. If you want to laugh, be great. I'm only laughing because 
you all of a sudden found out that ZZ Top replaced someone and somehow you feel like it affects you. I'm furious you know? about it. I don't, I I, do I, I'm very upset about why you, when was the last time you listened to a ZZ Top song? Now that's incorrect because ZZ Top will come up and shuffle occasionally. They don't change my life like a night ranger did, but still at the same time. Well, imagine if they replace somebody. Oh, 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 like they please. Are you kidding me? There's, but that's the thing is night ranger is out there now, but they're, they're also the festival band. They play after the OJs. Like literally that, that's the whole, because again, nostalgia, and the one, the drug and the of one a living monkey. Oh, that, that is the saddest thing ever. Cause I saw, I saw. I'm, I know I talked about it on here. I saw the final monkeys, what was supposed to be the final monkey show. Mm, hey, hey, I'm a monkey. Yeah, yeah, that's it. No more plural. <laughs> we can't pluralize monkeys anymore. <sighs> um, and so, But Dolan's is out on his own. Is he? That, I didn't know that. Is oh, he, yeah. But he doesn't tour as the monkey, does he? He tours I, as Mike, I, Mickey Dolan's. He might be like the voice of the monkeys or some bullshit like that. I don't know. The last uh, of the mon- planet of the monkeys. Here I come. <laughs> I thought it was all of you. Nope, nope, just me. I'm I'm the only one now. I well, get the here. funniest looks from everyone I meet. Yeah, yeah you hey, do. Hey, but what about monkey. the rest of the guys? Hey, hey, I'm a monkey. People say I monkey around. I'm too busy singing. Wait, all right. Like I, and that worked for that song. Did he do it with all the songs then? I don't know. I don't know, but please tell me the next time you do stand up, it is going to be about the replacement of ZZ Top and the tour of the monkey. Oh, I, well, I'm Elwood Francis is now a, a, a key member of ZZ top right now. Honestly, he's, he's, he's holding down the bottom end. Look, if you've got a band that's been together for 80 years and that's a careful <laughs> estimate on how long ZZ top's been out there and you've they're got a dusty, 70s. you got a dusty and a Frank who are locked in. They're your bottom end. They're the groove. And then Billy's on top of it with the fucking vocal and the, and the guitar, right? The get box. That's a sound that can't be duplicated. You can't just drag in Elwood Francis and hope he does the same stuff. Because eventually you can. No, they can't because he's gonna say, eventually in the middle of the show he's gonna be like he's gonna slap the bass or something. He's like and they're like whoa 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 what are you doing man? We're the we're the musical equivalent of chili without beans. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Trying to add a little fucking fuck your jerk chicken nonsense. We're a chili band. Fucking Elwood Francis. Although. I mean, Elwood Francis, let me ask you this. Do you think Elwood Francis has just been biding his time, growing his beard, waiting for this opportunity? I don't know that he has one. I know he must. There's no reason to have him in the band if he doesn't. The whole point was. I have to go back and look it up. The whole point of ZZ Top was beard, beard, guy named beard. That was it. That was their whole fucking shtick. That was their aura. Yes, Billy's a fantastic guitarist. Yes, they fucking put together some bottom grooves. Yes, they fucking brought you some serious music from Texas. But it was all about Beard, Beard, guy named Beard. That was the hook. So if you've got Elwood Francis now, it's just like, now it's not Beard, guy named Beard, and Francis? Beard? Well, here's why it works, okay? Because, I can you see the video? Elwood is in the back on the drums, so you can't tell he doesn't have a beard. Oh. Well, wait a minute then. Hold on a second. They're in their 70s? And they're still out playing? That was from 2021. Wait a minute. Dusty Hill died, you said. Dusty Hill died? No, you said Dusty Hill died. And I corrected you by telling it was, it was, wait, I'm confused. No, I said Frank Beard died and you said, no, Dusty Hill died. Dusty Hill, Dusty Hill is the one that's dead, correct? Right, but wasn't he the bass player? 
Why would they hire a new drummer? That hey, our bass player died. Let's so hire Dusty, a new drummer. Well, maybe Dusty shaved his beard and the other one has beard. I don't know. Wait, they am I wrong? Men. Well, no, because no, Dusty close Hill to... was the drummer. He was. All right, then fine. Then we're done. Then, 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 no, then made... Frank. Oh my God. Frank Beard was the drummer. Drummer Frank Beard. Okay. Yes. And we but lost Dusty, Dusty is Hill. the one that died. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm looking at the sun. Well, hold on. So Dusty Hill died. Frank Beard's the drummer. And so Elwood Francis does have a crazy fucking beard. Because that's when, when you started saying, you're like, look at the drummer. He doesn't have a beard. Well, Frank, Frank Beard's the drummer. He, that was the whole point. He never yeah, had a beard. You're right. Okay. I'm wrong. Okay. Hold on. I found another picture of them. <laughs> there you go. Can you see that? It's two beards and a young boy face. Yeah, but, but that's Dusty Hill. That's not that's not Elwood Francis. Okay. The picture you're showing me. Hold on, then I'm could. Wait, hold on. Can you can you hear? Can you hear people just? Yeah, that's the sound of radio snapping off all across America. Because apparently the show's not on radio. I don't care anymore. I want to know how your comedy bit went. Oh, well, if this podcast has given you any indication, then clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um well it uh, it was all right here's the deal if you don't know this my brother uh leonard leonard albert schmidt jr he uh he was he put together a comedy show at a bar here in los angeles and the, and he said he was doing it and i was like you know i'd i'd be interested in doing that and he's like yeah of course you're doing it and i was like all right good because i i felt like it was a weird thing where i didn't know if i was gonna have to uh well i was <laughs> Not audition, but at least like ask. Yes, you, know you I mean? were going to have to audition. Yeah. I, I got to go to him, you know, hold a hairbrush in front of him and my niece, my nieces. Hey, what's going on? Where are you guys from? Um, but I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. He's like, cool. So um, he wound up putting it up at a at a place called Universal Bar and Grill here in Los Angeles. Now, Universal Bar and Grill has had comedy as long as I can remember. Yeah. Uh, they, they, at least one night a week, they were doing comedy and it says everything you need to know about my career that I have literally been in this town for 30 years and never played at the universal bar and grill, uh, well, 25 years, 26 in, in October and never played here at, I, because it just never, cause I look, I would go do shows and you know, whenever I was, when I was doing stand up, there were plenty of shows I could do, but I never went to universal bar and grill because I knew what it was going to be. It was going to be uh, 20 comics all waiting to do five minutes and 18 of those comics all deciding that they were geniuses and they didn't have to only do five minutes. Yeah. They could do 10 and run the light. And then eventually it's, you know, one fifteen in the morning and you're sitting there going, because, because look, if you, in this industry business, whatever you want to call it, if you're at the improv or the comedy store waiting to go on at like one in the morning, you can at least say, well, I'm here at the improv in the comedy store. If you're at the universal bar and grill uh, and you're saying, oh, I can't wait to go on at one o'clock to do five minutes in front of nobody. You know, it just, it takes whatever final initial kernel of magic there was in that business was yanked out unceremoniously when you're sitting there at one in the morning waiting to go on and do five minutes at the universal bar and grill. It's, it's, it's soul crushing, quite frankly. I've been at, at the comedy store at one in the morning where there's three people in the audience and I was one of them. It's terrible. People were still waiting to go on. So why but is you it can, different? Because it's, you can say you were at the comedy store? Yeah, if you're playing at a Mecca, if you're playing at a big place, 
you can convince yourself that it makes sense. Okay. If you're if you're at some fucking hash house performing in some house band's drum set, then you're just like, oh, you know what? This is fucking terrible. And what have I done? Um, now, look, that's me. Because I will tell you this, there are plenty of people in this town who are like waiting at one o'clock in the morning to go on stage at the Universal Bar and Grill who are like, I'm a star. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying that I have shame uh, and others okay. don't. All right. Okay. Um, and, and you know, th- there's the, the, the smallest nanogram of my narcissism that is like that that plays into you know again why am i doing this what the fuck who's this for i i formed a an opinion early on in my quote-unquote stand-up quote-unquote career that there was stage time that was harmful because everybody's like man just go on stage just keep doing it just fucking go and grind it's the grind you get up there and you fucking do it and i early on in my career made a decision that i wasn't going to do that kind of garbage because I felt like there was nothing to learn from it because, and this is where I betrayed myself a little bit. Uh, I had some natural talent and I was good at it right away. Okay. I wasn't great. I wasn't, you know, someone where you went, holy shit, but I had, I had funny and I had timing. I was, I was good early. A lot of people when they get on stage are still learning how to talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're still trying to figure out how to structure a joke. Um, I've always had incredibly good instincts for being funny and I'm also super quick. Now that helped and it hurt. It helped in that it, I was able to kind of bypass some things and get some work really quick, but it also hurt because I decided I didn't want to grow from that and get better because I had natural talent. Uh, I felt that would carry me through and everybody will always tell you, you know, it's 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration, whatever the fuck. Um, you have to work at it. You still have to work at it. I didn't and don't, um, this show case in point, uh, I open up a microphone and I start talking because I can do this. Um, again, I used to think it was, I used to think it was special, but now, like I said, you know, Max does a show by himself and fucking Proops and Kirkman and Burr and all these other people, they all do shows by themselves. I'm not special. Who the fuck do I think I am? So, uh, you know, that's, that's. And that bleeds over into stand-up where I'm like, I used to just be so funny and quick and stuff off the top of my head. But then you look around now and uh, you know, I was, I could write, I would write quick. I would write super fast. And now you go on Twitter, you go anywhere else. And you're like, these people are, you know, I'm nobody. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fucking, I'm not even, I'm not even a fucking fish in the sea. I'm the salt in the water. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and it seems like there's, and, and, cause there's so much of it. You would never miss it if it was, you know what I mean? So that, that is overwhelming sometimes. So, so I never went to these kinds of places because I felt it was, it would harm you as a comic. I was like, this is just dumb. It, it browbeats you. It crushes you. Yeah. But it's funny. You hear other comics and they're like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to lose a million times before you win once. And I was winning pretty consistently right from the jump. So I never wanted to lose. Right. I, I formed this different attitude where instead of going, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty decent, but I can get a lot better at this. I was like, I'm really good at this. Holy fuck. And, and I, it didn't lead me to learn the things I needed to learn. Right. And that's why I'll say clearly I'm a comedian, but I don't think I have c- comedy chops. I have funny in my bones 
and I'm, I, I'm really fucking funny and I can, I know my way around verbiage and language and a joke and I can write really well and get up on stage and perform. But when the other factors start to bleed in, like people heckling and all this kind of stuff, that's the chops part. That's the road work part that I, (laughs) I found distasteful. I was like, I don't want to deal with these assholes. I'm going to do my act. And then if people heckled, I would fucking bury them with a quickness and which then led the audience to be like, holy shit, this guy's mad. And I'm like, well, yeah, because that guy won't shut the fuck up. But it's supposed to be this genial, we're all having fun. And though I know it in my heart and in my head, in the moment, it still will flash where I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You know what I mean? And that's yeah, not beneficial to having a, a, a good show. And these are the things, even though I know them, I have to put them into practice and I have to learn them on stage again, you know? And so that's one of the reasons about going out. But that's one of the reasons why I never went to bar universal bar and grill. Cause it made no sense to me to do jokes to an empty chair. Um, people are like, no, that's the thing. You know, you go out there and, but inevitably it turns into, uh, you do a joke and it dies. And then you're just like, you know, that worked at home, uh, you know, or that, you know, you know, in the car, that was beautiful. I don't know what the hell's wrong with you people like all that. And that to me, always felt like amateur night, even though that's part of what you're doing because it always felt because, because the other, the other option to that is if you do a joke and it stiffs in front of nobody, then you just do another joke and it stiffs. And then you're just like this weird jukebox, a joke box, I guess, if you will, where you just like, ba, 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 you know what I mean? Like if you don't acknowledge the bomb, you don't, I, we used to say acknowledge the eat. That's what I used to say all the time with my friends. Yeah. You got to acknowledge the eat if you're fucking eating it. But also the thing is, if you're really eating it, you can't acknowledge the eat the whole fucking time because eventually if you acknowledge the eat, that's what will get the laughs and you're training, you're training the audience to not laugh at your material so they can hear your save line. And if your save lines are only getting laughs, then you're just like, oh, this is fucked because of the stuff. Because then that that will also confuse you as a comedian, because then you'll be like, wait a minute, all my written material ate it but all my fucking save lines killed it. So should I just be doing fucking like kind of save lines and winging it? And then it leads you to kind of sabotage yourself. And you, you almost, you, you throw yourself on the grenade all the time. And then you find yourself, well, should I write jokes that aren't strong so I can save them and get laughs? It's a, your mind gets fucked when you're doing it. It's very strange. Hmm. So it's, you know, and, I know that makes it sound scientific and, and there are people who be like, Oh, it's just comedy. No, no, it, there's science to it, man. There really yeah. is. <clears throat> so I never did these open mics like this because I mean, I, look, I do them. I didn't enjoy them, but, but if it came, like if someone said to me, Hey, you should come to this, I, I might go, but to just venture into these open mics, it was, it was beneath me. I never wanted to do it when in reality it was absolutely not beneath me. It still isn't beneath me. It's yeah. part of the job. Um, but now there's a whole shame thing tied into it because I'm old and I'm like, shit, if you would have done this 20 years ago, you wouldn't, you, you, this wouldn't phase you. You would just fucking do it as it's part of the gig. But I'm going to ask a dumb question here. So no, there you, are no dumb questions. you went and did comedy with a bunch of people that you've been doing comedy with for a long time and they're all doing an open mic at universal. Do you think that they're all like, man, I wish I wasn't doing an open mic at universal. Well, let me tell you, this is different. This was a show my brother booked to bring in a bunch of pros to work on stuff. That's how the show was built. But it's still an open mic. Working pros working. Because you're working. Yes, but it's an open mic that I was, it's a show that someone put together and asked me to be on. 
And that's different from walking into some fucking blind place and putting your name in a hat and waiting to get it pulled. It's for me again, I could be completely wrong. Other comedians could look at it as part of the gig, but there is nothing more. Like I said, just fucking sledgehammer to the chest than walking in, writing your name on a hat and with 25 other for people. You, it's, it, even though you're doing exactly what you would do at an open mic, you were invited. So it feels different to you. That's what right. you're saying. But the, but the open mics I would go to, like when I went, there was a place called um, Westwood Bruco when I got here and it was a really good open mic. This guy, Vance Sanders, great guy. And he hosted it and you would go up and you would sign up on the list or whatever. And he would, he would put the order together and stuff. And they would, you know, he'd pull names from the hat. He'd go on stage and he'd pull the name and say, and then you ran up and you signed, like say there was 20 spots. He would pull out the names from the hat and you would run up. And if you were called, you would sign up number four. You wanted to go up fourth. That's the whole, he it was, I thought it was a very cool and democratic way to do it. Instead of him telling you what you were doing, he right. would pull, pull your names out of the hat and you could go up and sign up to be wherever. And then if you're, he'd, after he'd pull the 20 names, he'd go, hey, stick around. We'll try to get the rest of you on. And this is where I met, like, you know, my buddy, Jarek Grody, who's written for Jeselnik and, and Danielle Koenig. It's where I met her and all these Carol Ann Leaf. These were, you know, comedians who yeah. then went on to writing gigs or did other you know, really great stuff. Uh, Kevin Sesha. I mean, they it became a community. Once you did it enough, it became a community. And so it didn't appear to me to be an open mic anymore. Does that make any sense? No, but yes, you, you, I knew everybody. No, it's, but it's the psychological stories that we tell ourselves to be comfortable and feel a part of something. Well, the first time you do it, it's terrifying, especially when I moved here from Chicago. Part of me was like, I can't wait to show these people what I have. But then also there was this thing of, oh man, I'm in Los Angeles. Everybody's going to be fucking amazing. And then you see that Los Angeles has more, much more than its share of psychopaths who just show up at open mics and talk about their jock itch uh, and then, and then think they're funny. You know what I mean? It's, it's that's, and I'll get into that in a second. Oh no. But, oh no. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like, yeah. you know, cause if you went into an open mic with a bunch of strangers, I never looked at it like part of the job. That was what I'm saying. I looked at yeah. it as like, this is sad. This is pathetic to be in here right now. It was the wrong way to be. It was, I, I'm not denying it. It was absolutely well, the wrong well, I was way to trying be. to understand it about how it's different in your head. And I get that now it's, it's like when you're invited or there's a structure that you feel like you're a part of, it's different than just walking in and doing a, right. an open when, mic. I get that. Yeah. And West, Westwood Brewing Company was the first scene I was ever really a part of because I started doing comedy in Tahoe and I just did contests because that's all they had their funniest man in Tahoe. And then I went home, I went to LA and I, yeah, actually I was part of a scene in LA in Orange County because I worked at the laugh stop and I was, I was emceeing regularly and getting spots on zoo night and then doing shows in and around orange County with a bunch of guys and these guys, Kelly and rich. And, and, and they, that became my crew who I hung out with. But then I went to Chicago and rather than be in the city, I lived in the suburbs and I didn't become part of a scene and go to open mics. I got in right away at the funny bone. Yeah. So when I got in at the funny bone and I got in at Sinise's winery and then I, I, there were comics from Chicago who saw me and they go, dude, you're funny. And Mike Toomey and Rex Havens, they brought me on the road. So I started working right away. So instead of going to work on my craft at open mics and do five and 10 minutes in the city, I was on the road and I was doing stuff at, at actual clubs on the weekend instead of, and then the other five days a week, I should have been in the city doing open mics. I absolutely, that's what I'm saying. I didn't put in the road work. 
You know, I, 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 and, and who, I don't know if this is interesting to anybody. Well, who the fuck no, needs to I, hear me? I find it interesting because the parallel to learning in burlesque is similar, but different. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time is you got to do the shows that aren't the top level shows so that you can work out the stuff in your act so that it becomes a better act to get booked in the shows that really pay, you know, but, but with burlesque, it's like you have your act and you're just refining that five to seven minutes because you don't have a, a 20 minute set you're building necessarily. So when I look at it and I'm like, what is the skill set that's different in a 10 minute that it, than there is in a whole show other than you're working on a section of your whole show, correct? Yeah. Um, but, but here's another thing that I would, that made me different. <laughs> I, uh, I never minded doing new stuff every show. So like I essentially was doing my open mics, but I was doing them for paying crowds because I, I had so much confidence in the stuff that I wrote that I didn't, I never thought like I, it's so, all right, Lori, Lori Kilmartin said something the other day and it fucking blew me away. She, she was, she tweeted, um, nothing like working on a joke for five years. And then, and then I've, I don't even remember the rest of what she wrote. Yeah. Because I was so gobsmacked by the fact that somebody thinks that they go on stage and hone a joke for five years before it's perfect. Because I have always been a grip it and a rip it dude. I mean, I, I, and I've always been kind of lucky in that the phrasing of things that I came up with was good from the jump. Could it be better? Yes. Did I hone things on stage when they didn't work and I thought I could change a word or do something? Yes. But I wasn't, I was more, always more concerned with churning out more new bright shiny than having something that was tried and true that worked for five years which is why i love the podcast but but that again is like in magic they say you know you can work a million stages and do every trick in the book or you can get a good 20 minute show and tour the world and you have always to me been the one that will knock it out of the park on 20 different types of stages because you're not looking to say the same exact thing with perfect time. I, you know, I, I will go see a magician and I'll be like, this is the worst pattern. It's the same pattern they've been doing for 20 years. There's comics like that too, where I'm just like, man, I saw them two years ago and it's the same exact act and it's still not funny in my opinion. Um, and they haven't changed anything. So, so it's interesting that I, I feel like it, and again, I'm, uh, if people don't want the sausage, I'm sorry, but are you, do you think that there's a lot of comics then that are putting together acts that they can then sell to HBO? That's the end goal of the entire thing. And then they write a new show. Well, yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's the end end game, but there are people they'll, there will be people who will say, I'm working on my next special. I'm working on my next special. Yeah. And they'll have like when I again, when I saw Chris Rock in San Diego, he's building up to his Netflix live performance in March. So he was clearly working things out on stage. I could see it because, again, not that I'm special, but I mean, it's my job. So he had four teleprompters and you could see that he was hopping around and they were scrolling here and there. And I and he was feeling things out on stage. That's that's one. And he's doing it in front of fucking seven thousand people, which is ridiculous. I I can't even imagine doing that. Um, But but you're not wrong in that. I never. Even when I, this is funny, even when I did the one man show. Yes. All right. In 2011, when, when I was touring the one man show that I did, it was, and mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote a two hour one man show. Yes. 
I would do an hour of stand up before the two hour one yes. show because I felt stupid just going up and saying the same thing. And sometimes people would see me multiple times. There were people who saw me. Liana saw me, I think, four times on that tour. Yeah. Um, people would come to different cities and see me. And I always felt like, well, this is a cheat if they just see the fucking show. But what was funny is they would be like, no, at the ending of the show. I mean, it's like it's you know, you've it's never f not fresh to me, which was yes. super nice. But also I felt silly because I as a stand up, it felt so weird to have a structure of two hours that was just stories that I was going to fucking tell. And that's why I would pitch sometimes to people. What if I booked multiple nights in your city and I did different stories every night? Yeah. Like that. That sounds exciting to me. That sounds like something that would be fun to do. Um, but also, I mean, I'm, I had enough trouble selling tickets for one fucking night. Who the fuck am yeah, I kidding? You know, and, and again, um, do, doing the parallel to magic, it's like, I watched David Copperfield in Las Vegas and like, I went, wow, that tear is on cue every night, seven nights a week. Yeah. That is so not genuine in any way to me. And I can't connect to the show at all, but it's the magic was great, but there was yeah. no, feeling in any of it because i knew that everything was scripted to be so perfect i was like i don't but that's bleh. also but that's that's also magic in itself well every but, night recreate the illusions and every and and yes look, it's is it some is it the way i perform or the way i like to perform it isn't but i can absolutely respect the discipline and the work that went into getting that done. And in fact, I find myself now because I'm so sloppy I, I, for lack of a better word as a performer, uh, when I see people just fucking crush it in a regimented fucking disciplined show, I'm envious. Like I I'm like, my God, how like, you know what? Going to the paranoid strain, uh, our friend fearful Jesuit does the yeah. show paranoid strain. And I listen to it and I'm like, I couldn't do this in a million years. I couldn't just because it's so, scripted and edited and with drops and it's fucking brilliant what he does it's it's a different discipline it's a different approach and it's something let's put it this way again not even i uh, truthfully i don't i don't think i'd want to do that because it wouldn't it wouldn't inspire yeah. me creatively but at the same time it doesn't mean that i can't sit back and admire it and go jesus christ that's fucking incredible see and i'm in awe of your improv i'm in awe of how you can work a room and be so in the moment of everything that you do so I mean, again i don't mean to sidetrack i want to hear how the night went well i'll get there but also yeah you know, but you know it's funny too that you mentioned that like i i've always been able to do that i can talk i, I just can't but when i would do my act on the road i never again when i opened for pardo there was no crowd work allowed mm -hmm. um a, because I'm not a crowd work guy, but also B, one of the reasons Jimmy brought me on the road was he knew that I wasn't going to yeah. work the crowd because Jimmy was going to work the fucking crowd. Yeah. So, and it wasn't like any, believe me, it wasn't any limitation put on me. There was no, no. it wasn't like, oh fuck, I got handcuffs on. I can't work the crowd. No, I was thrilled. I, I, yeah. I never wanted to talk to people. I wanted to do my, I had written jokes with fucking precision and, and really sharp laser precision jokes that i wanted to say to people that was the whole point verbiage language yeah and and the way i wrote but then i got into this i was on never not funny and once i was on never not funny because also another thing i never did on stage was i never talked about me right i would talk about the news i would talk about stuff that was going on in the world or observational stuff but i never talked about me and my experiences like i i've i would never talk about dating on stage
um, or or sex or any yeah. of that because I was a fucking giant fat guy and I was like, this is going to disgust everybody in the fucking room if I talk about getting laid. Nobody wants to fucking hear that. Um, these were self-imposed restrictions that that I put upon myself where I was like, I don't want to talk. And also, you know what? If you don't talk about you, you're not really revealing enough a lot about you. Giving, I'm sure it's the thought of being a fat kid when you were a kid. Um, you don't talk too much about yourself because you're giving people openings to pick at. You know what I mean? If they see yeah. your vulnerabilities, they see uh, what, yeah. what bothers you, they can come for you. And that's why I was always so, you're always so quick to make fun of yourself. You know what I mean? You're like, ha ha, you can't get me. I know I'm fat. Um, but then, so I started doing podcasting and then I was, I'll, not, I'll never forget it. The day it, you know, cause I, when I had to talk to people, I did and I could do it. I did it fine. Some, I, a lot of times I was too mean or too mad, too quick, but the time it changed, I've talked, I've, fuck, I've told this story on here. I, I have nothing. Uh, I have no unheard thoughts. Everybody. Well, there no are people un- who haven't heard everything and, and <laughs> we're having an important conversation, I think, uh, about the process. Well, heavy it, lifting. It, it, we, if anybody interesting conversation about the process, right? I now. hope so. I hope it's interesting. Yeah. If not, uh, guys, see you later. But but I was in Ventura with Jimmy. Uh, we were at a show. Uh, it used to be horn. It was Hornblowers, I think, still at the time. And now it's the Ventura Comedy Club. And I've worked there for four different bookers. Like I've worked there for Harry Capehart, for Keith Dion, for for Randy Lewis. But I was there with Jimmy and I was on stage and the power went out. Uh, so I had no power in the microphone. And the lights are down anyway, <clears throat> but there's candles on every table. So power went out and I'm on stage when it happens. And I then... For the next 15 minutes, I fucking eat the room alive. I Because I'm not going to do my act in the dark. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just foolishness. So I started talking about, you know, I, and I, I, again, I can't tell you what I said because I don't have any fucking clue. But I, it was this. I just opened up and I made yeah. fun of the room. I, I buried them. I buried everything. I just went off. And I was destroying. Like, I mean, it was ridiculous how great it was going. Cause I mean, look, I was doing okay with my act. It was doing fine. They're laughing, but this was different. And this was because I was in the middle of my never not funny run. So I was used to talking off the cuff. I had yeah. become more used to just talking and, and saying and trusting that whatever I said was going to be funny. Cause that was my function essentially. I never not funny. Yeah. I just threw bombs. You know what I mean? As I've talked about before, I was the, I was the, you know, the Artie Lang. I was the fucking, just the bomb thrower, the funny guy. And, and I did it on stage and I fucking leveled the place. I mean, I, 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 it's one of the best shows I've ever had. And it was only 15 minutes after, you know, so I, I finished, they light me with a candle. I walk off and it's the only time I opened for Jimmy hundreds of times. It was the only time he was worried because uh, I came off stage and he was just, I could see it. I, it was so weird to see him gripping like I usually did because I always looked at the comedy as the uh, and audience is my enemy, it was, which is a weird thing. Yeah. But uh, it was me against them. I wasn't going to make anybody laugh. I was, I was going to fucking get out there and, you know, I'm going to show them. And it was, uh, it's an odd, don't ever go that way. You put these weird expectations in your brain and you make yourself your own victim. It's fucking wrong. And it's something I still fight with all the time. And it's, you know, I fought with it when I didn't do a podcast last week. Nobody wants to hear this shit. It's so fucking dumb. Uh, so I, Jimmy was fr- like, 
not freaking out, but I could see he was nervous. And, uh, and I go, I go, that was fucking weird. Right. And he goes, well, now there's nothing left for me. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, I might as well not even go up there. He goes, you just, you literally, you, you wrung every drop out of it. And I go, well, what I, I had to. And he's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm just saying it. Yeah. It's just, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm repeating the conversation. Yeah. I, was like, I, I go, yeah. I had to. And he's just like, oh, he goes, I'm no, I'm not. I'm not yeah. saying a bad thing, but he was nervous. You could see he was fi- first time I'd ever seen him nervous about ever going on stage. I mean, it was like the weirdest. He was kind of like amped up, but he was also like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Like you. All right. And we talked a little bit while the, you know, the MC did whatever, did announcements. And then he went on stage and guess what happened? He fucking destroyed the place. He, yeah. he 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 never had anything to worry about. But the point was, he was he. I worried him that one time, and then it was funny because then, you know, whatever we had our falling out, and I wasn't opening for him anymore, which makes complete sense. Um, but but anyway, so the the once I learned to to that day was a turning point. You know, the yeah. never not never not funny was a turning point in what I do and whatever my career could be described yeah. as because it showed that I could talk about myself and still be funny. And it gave me confidence that I didn't have before, even though I was, I was plenty confident to the point of being, to the point of being arrogant. You know what I mean? Like, uh, with about my act and my, my abilities and my talents. Um, but you know what, you know, it'll level that off pretty quick, 20 years of then doing nothing about it. And that'll, that'll make you sit there and go, was I ever good ever? Uh, and that's what this year is about. It's trying to rediscover if I was ever really any good at this. Okay. And, and also, but, but not, not in some tell my son someday that I was good. No, I need to start making money at this fucking shit. I need right. to, I need to get back because I consider this the thing I'm best at. Look, talking is the thing I'm best at, but can I do disciplined enough talking on a stage to make people pay attention to me and laugh? You know what I mean? That's, and that's why when I talk about the difference between podcast, mic and stage, Mike, yeah. uh, I've gone on stage with the unearned confidence of podcast, Mike. And you'll get sat the fuck down pretty quick. Yeah. Because if people are not buying you or the character, uh, especially when you yourself are the character, then you're scrambling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in, you know, cause I, <laughs> I could probably coast by on, on personality and, and, and that, and, but I don't want to do that. I want to be good. You know what I mean? I want to be great, quite frankly. And, and I want to make, I want to make a living at it. I want to get back up and do, like I said, the thing I'm best at. So that night was about, like I said, it was an open mic, but it was still an organized open mic with a bunch of pros. And, um, and I was nervous. You know what I mean? I'm nervous every time I go on now because it's been so long since I I've done it. Uh, and then Lenny was just putting the show together on the fly, you know? So, I showed up and the good thing was there were people there. That was really nice. Not only just comedians, but there was because Lenny has a following too. You yeah. Know, Lenny has people who love him from the ships and stuff like that. And they follow his, all of his electronics. Are you being harassed by something? What's going on? You all right. Um, sometimes I just get blurred vision for no apparent reason. Oh, cause you, you were looking up and I thought a moth was possibly attacking you in some, oh. some capacity. No, I, I looked through my glasses and I went, I can't see. And then I went, look above your glasses to see if your glasses are dirty. Um, but they're not. So I'm listening. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Right, just a brain tumor, you know. But uh, just this arduous process of forcing you to sit and listen to me. See, this is why I don't go to shows. I'm enjoying people this. Are, oh, yes, I love I, this because I have a I have somebody that I mentor that's doing stand-up right now, and I'm hoping that she'll take a, a, a session with you to, to learn some of the stuff that we're talking about. I find it fascinating. Boy, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's awesome. But I don't know if I can mentor anybody. You know what I mean? Because that's that's another thing too. Is like, what the patience I I had even in the beginning I had no patience. Like I was, look, man, you're the funnier you're not. Like I had a lot of that going on. Um, my thinking has evolved on that now. I think, I, I still think you're funnier you're not. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but well, the, you I can mean, that is you can true get on stage. Sense. Well, well, all right. Because I've also learned, and this is going to sound. A, I listen. And, and if this podcast doesn't already pre-prove this statement, oh, well, uh, there is a lot of mediocrity out there being accepted as fantastic there. Yes. Everybody in the world, whether it's stand up or writing or TikTok or Facebook, all these people, I, I see it all the time. And so I used to think it was this, I, I used to be able to dismiss mediocrity and just go, whatever, but now surrounded by it. Uh, which sounds arrogant, I know, but that's the way I view certain things. Uh, and seeing it flower and prosper, you have to recognize that, you know what, just because you think something is mediocre doesn't mean everybody else doesn't think it's great. Yes. David Copperfield uh, is in Las Vegas, and I thought it was the most boring show ever. <laughs> yeah, so that that's what I'm saying. But, but I don't want a Vegas show, so that's, right. you know, and, and that's a personal taste more than anything else. Right. So, but okay, but I also don't want to look at things. I, I don't want to not like things. I want to enjoy things and I want to like things. And I also want to let people like the things that they like. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go. This is fucking awful. Like, again, I, I just went and saw Ant-Man 3. Okay. I won't go into a full on Marvel thing. But before it came out, Ant-Man 3 uh, received the lowest score from reviewers for any Marvel movie besides The Eternals. And the Eternals is a movie I will not see because I never read the books. I'm not familiar with the characters and I don't care. It's one I've actively decided I won't care. Now I had never seen the Ant-Man movies, but I've seen them in the Avengers movies and I love Paul Rudd. He's fucking amazing. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch the Ant-Man movies before Ant-Man three comes out. And I watched them and I really enjoyed them. One is good. Two is better to me. Okay. So, uh, but then when all these reviews came out for the new Ant-Man, I was just like, oh man, you know, and I'm never, it's never going to stop me from going. But but still, I you get it because I also don't want to know any yeah. of that shit before I see the movie. If I hear about it the day after, then I can have an opinion. But I don't like people telling me four days before a movie comes out that it's got the lowest score yeah. of any movie at Rotten Tomatoes. Because fuck you. Why are you trying to influence people? Who cares? You know what I mean? Let people see it and make their fucking decision. Um, that said, I went and saw it. Um, it's fine to good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it's. I can't believe it scored less than Thor Love and Thunder because that thing is a piece of fucking trash. It's so bad. But fucking Ant-Man 3 is good. It, it's the baseline. It starts off phase whatever the fuck of all the Marvel movies to get you introduced to the villain yeah. and a bunch of stuff. It's basically a Star Wars movie with Ant-Man in it. And when you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but it was so funny that that critics hated this fucking movie. And then I go see it and I'm just like, it's fine. I mean, it's... You know, it, it depends on what you're judging it against, what what you're looking at it. And yeah. so that that can easily be looked at regarding bands or comedians 
or television shows or anything. Yeah. I can see stuff and go, this is fucking awful. And it's like a case in point, Justin Warren, the food dork from food network. Uh, not for me. Yeah. But I, I told you I went online and everybody loves him. You know, who, you know who else is on that fucking tournament of champions? I would, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I saw, I should have seen it coming. Guy Fieri's kid. <laughs> is that his actual name on the show? Guy Fieri's kid should be <laughs> considering his name is Hunter Fieri. No. Uh, He's the backstage interview guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He gets to approach the chefs and go, how Wait, you feeling? nepotism in, in, in business? No. Wait, don't get me started on that. Cause my little it brother, so... my, my little brother just discovered nepotism and it has become the, the literally <laughs> the focus of his life. Um, my, he'll, every time now he'll find somebody and he'll go, did you know this person is related to this person? And I'll be like, yeah. And he's like, this is fucking unbelievable. And he was like, I'm going to come up with a website that lists all of these people. I'm like, I, that's just every website. I, I go, I don't know. It makes me laugh that he's like, so because he's just discovered it. Like he's a babe in the woods who just like, I can't believe this is happening. And I want to say to him, don't you know that that's all that's happened ever? Like every, every time my, my favorite cage thing is the thing when people find that out. And I'm like, how did you just find that out? Dude, it, <laughs> it's a crazy thing. Yeah. There's no doubt. Nicholas cage. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, Margaret Qualley is another one. That's a good one. I don't even she, know who she is. She was in the, well, she's in once upon a time in Hollywood. She's the hippie chick. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who she's, takes him yeah. to the Manson thing. She's yeah. fucking Andy McDowell's daughter. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Eva Amari, who's like this incredibly beautiful actress. She's Susan Sarandon's daughter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, and it's like, once you hear those things, you're just like, like Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara is a terrific actress. She's fucking fantastic. And the girl with the dragon tattoo, she's in yeah. social network. She's just really fucking amazing. Well, yeah, because her parents own the New York Giants football team, or her grandpa does. Yeah. And so if if acting didn't work out, she was fine. That's what people don't understand is there's this, this built-in cushion. And I'm not, look, I'm not shouting. The world is, it works the way the world works, and it always has, and it probably always will. But what you need, like Rooney Mara being rich didn't make her a fantastic actress. But Rooney Mara knowing that she could take the risks she needed to take to become a fantastic actress. And the access that money allows. That's half of the battle. Like yeah. it's just you, she, she, it's, it's go listen to Common People by Pulp. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listen to the words of that. And it's like, you'll, uh, with roaches climbing on the walls, you'll never know. Cause if for the phone call, your dad could stop it all. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's this, you want to sleep with common people? Oh, sure you do. But you know, if, if you called your dad, he could change everything. Yeah. Nick Kroll is an example. Like Nick Kroll, again, so funny in the league, amazing with Mulaney, the great things that he does. His father's a billionaire. Yeah. So yes, he could go to the UCB. He could go take these acting classes. I'm not saying he didn't work hard. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I, I probably told the story in here a million times. And we were doing, when I first started doing comedy in California in 1991, there was a, a group of guys I knew, Sean, this guy, Sean Martin. And I also knew Tom Martin and Jim Hope. Tom Martin went on to write for The Simpsons. Jim Hope went on to be the showrunner on George Lopez's sitcom. Fabulously talented comedians. They were so great. And it was part of the crew that I knew in Orange County. And other guys that I knew, there was in part of my immediate group, there, was a, there were two guys, a guy named Kirk. I'll, I'll Kirk Triants and a guy named Keith Bame. And uh, Keith Bame had a license plate, funny for money. 
he was at the same level I was, but he was able to get a license. You know what I mean? He worked, he had a ton of money. Yeah. So he could take gigs that we couldn't take. Same with Kirk Triance. Yeah. Kirk Triance's, his family paid for everything. And so he could go do gigs for $20. He could go wherever. Yep. Whereas I was working nine hours as a A&R clerk at a fucking company. And then I'd get out of work at 5.30 or 6. And then I'd have to drive 40 miles to go to Encinitas and do a, a gig or whatever. And then the next day I'd, be, I'd have four hours of sleep and schlep into the fucking office. It, it just... It's different when you have to grind yeah. that way. You know what I mean? When you have a cushion built in, you have the you're afforded the luxury of getting good at something without having to worry about what will happen if you don't get good at it. Yep. I, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's but it's true. It just gives you a leeway that that others yeah. don't have. You know, there's if you it's funny to think of the the brilliant artists that were squashed because they had to go run a hand truck during the day and they got too tired to go out and do stand up or or yep. to paint or to do whatever. It's it's a hard thing. Again, and, which is why I say I hate society the way it is. <laughs> well, it's kind of an overarching statement, but I mean, I it's just it's we've reached these this place i mean money money always meant everything yeah there's not a, most people don't even have bootstraps to pull up as the joke goes so yeah it's real hard yeah. so again we are i'm looking at the time because i know you have an out so oh, tell I me do. the story tell me the story i want to <laughs> hear about how it went all right well and I, I mentioned this before when i talked about the show i did in redondo beach we you i went to this i went to the gig and like i said there was an audience which was great and uh, and then Lenny did the show, and our, our buddy Keith was there. Mike Siegel showed up. He did a set. So funny. Mike Siegel just – and Mike Siegel did – he used it truthfully as a workout. Like he did a bunch of jokes he's never done on stage before. Um, I kind of did that. I had – because, again, I'm, I'm more about compensating for stage time than I am for material right now. Yeah. So I did, I did a bunch of stuff on the Super Bowl because it was the day after the Super Bowl. And then just uh, did some stuff that I had done in Redondo on the set. And actually – I wound up doing stuff on stage that I had said on the podcast that week. Um, because I, all right. <laughs> I keep thinking that I do this show and I don't take anything out of it to the stage. Like I don't, there's no, I mean, I'll yeah. tell my longs. I have longer stories, but there'll be stuff that I'll say that I think is kind of funny, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing is going back and listening to 13 years and trying to pull out nuggets and trying to get into stand up. That's work as well. Work that I need to do, but unfortunately I have no money. So I have to go drive. Um, so, and I should have been doing it. And that's, and that's another thing last week. You know, if you just spent the pandemic, go ahead and chronicling this and taking care of this, you wouldn't have to fucking worry about it. And then you'd have this all set up and you could turn this into, and it just this, this yeah. heap, heaping of what the fuck did you do on myself? And it's, it's hard to fight off. Just is. So, um, it's more about getting on stage. And I did, so I did the bit about the ghost of Thomas Jefferson coming back why i don't believe in ghosts right. like and again that was stuff i just said on the podcast yeah. but then i went later i was like that could actually be a bit and i did the bit about like how the pandemic ruined me and i could just sit in my house and get everything delivered i go amazon and escorts deliver the stuff i said last yeah. week that i thought was real funny i said it on stage and it was fucking great like and Good. and it's funny mike listens to the show so he's like oh he goes i heard some of the stuff from the podcast made it to the stage I go, yeah it's probably time i should do that um <laughs> <laughs> I have but, 13 years of material. Yeah. I should use so, it. Probably. So, so they, but the thing was that, you know, the show went on and it was a bunch of guys that Lenny works with on the boats. 
And they were, they, and he, but here was, again, the most important thing is getting up on stage yeah. and, and getting good again and, and getting the feel for it. Um, also, my friend Augie Smith was there. Now, I haven't seen Augie in fucking forever. We're friends on social media. But again, it's like when I said I saw Lawrence Thomas in Redondo. You know, and I, I did a lot of comedy when I first moved to town. So I know these guys from that. Um, and I saw Augie at the bar and I didn't go talk to him because I was like, yeah, he's probably getting ready for a set or whatever. And then Augie went up and he fucking crushed it. I mean, he was so goddamn funny. Um, and you would have, you would have loved him cause he did a whole bit about, um, <laughs> I don't want to do his bit, but it was, he, he was like, you know, it's so funny how, yeah, comedians can't say anything these days. You know, it's, uh, they're constantly getting hemmed in and he goes, which is crazy. Cause you know what? Here's a joke from the eighties. And then he does a typical comedian's joke about gay people from the eighties. He's like, can you believe they can't do that anymore? That, that joke that made people smaller and hurt them for no reason. I can't believe they could. It was, it was amazing. It was just Augie's just, it was a great juxtaposition yeah. and really funny. So, um, so I went up and on stage and I, and I did fine. I, I, I was funny. I got laughs. Um, and then, but, but the important thing was like afterwards, you know, then you're talking to comedians and the comedians don't know me, the guys that know Lenny, I know Augie yeah. and I knew Mike and Keith and they all, uh, we're like, dude, you're funny, man. You're, are you, you're Lenny's brother. You're funny. And it was that thing where you reintroduce yourself kind of into the industry a little yeah. bit, 10 minutes at a time. Yep. And Augie came over to me and he goes, God damn, because I haven't seen you. And you're just, you're the way you write, dude, is just so goddamn great. And, and I told him, well, you were fucking phenomenal. And you know, you know, all jerking each other off because it's the end of the show, but you, I needed it because I need to know that what I'm doing is working. I need to know that yeah. other comedians are like, holy shit. Because even when I was on stage, you could see comedians like what I, this will sound weird. There was a ton of comedians in the back. When I was on stage, they would laugh and then they would lean over and kind of whisper to one another and talk. And they could have been saying, Jesus Christ, this guy's doing whatever's act. Or they could have been saying whatever, but even though I know I'm not, or they could have been saying, holy shit, that's funny. Or that's yeah. good. And just to know that you got their attention and held it. Because comedians normally are checking their fucking phone or doing whatever the fuck else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so to answer your question, uh, it was a great success. I was very Good. happy to go up. Good. Um, it went really well. And, uh, and what was funny is, you know, I finished and I'm, I'm waiting around and I watch Siegel and Augie and a bunch of other guys. They're all killing it. This guy, Fareem, was really good. I think his name was. Um, just funny guys. And it was great to be in a room of funny. And it was funny that Universal Grill, they have a menu. Uh, and it's so weird. Like it's a, I don't know if they think they're a show business joint, but this made me laugh on the menu. They had improvisational salads and, uh, I was hungry, That's actually funny, right? It's so weird. So like, but, and I was hungry before the show, but I don't like to eat before a show. Yeah. Uh, but I made the mistake of ordering. I ordered one of the improvisational salads and I got the cob and, uh, and then the waitress said, yes. And, <laughs> and so, oh, that is super Hey, I did that on stage and it worked. I was very happy. So I said, I'm so full. I never eat before a show, but I, I made the mistake of ordering a cob salad and the waitress said, yes, and, and, and I said, and I'll have a garden. And she said, yes, and, and I said, uh, and I'll also have the Asian salad. Uh, and I had to eat all of them. Oh, so funny. Um, so anyway, it was, it was all funny stuff and we had a good time and, and I was very happy and, uh, yeah, it was good. good. And, but but afterwards, there. This is the weird thing: is they have a show there on Monday nights. I think they've had it for fifteen years. And this guy, the guy who books it, was there. And Barry Sobel mm -hmm. came in the room while Lenny's show was going on. And Lenny's like, "Hey, Barry, you want to go up?" And he's like, "No, I'm here for the late show." 
And like, then the people started coming in for the late show. And this is the show I was talking about where I said, the one I've never attended, the one I don't go to, you know what I mean? They do comedy three, yeah. four nights a week. There's this, there's this group in town, this, uh, I don't know how to explain it. There, it's so funny to be re-exposed to the world of comedians who've lived in Los Angeles and have been doing stand-up for 15 years, 10 minutes at a time, and have never, never moved, never, never landed, never made it up the ladder, never did. You know what I mean? They just certainly there are some people coming in to work on material, but then there are the people. I, I a dude walked in and I was like, holy fuck! I remember the guy from like I said, 15, 20 years ago. And I was like, this guy's still doing it. Cause again, you never, I, I don't know if it's my own biases where I'm putting this arbitrary timeline on, Hey man, if you've done it for 20 years and nobody knows yet, what are you doing? And I know that's my own way of looking at it, but it's, there's this whole group. I was talking to Lenny about it. Lenny, Lenny does open mics when he's in town, when he's not on the boat, yeah. he stays sharp. And there was a woman and she was talking about how she was filming her fifth special. And she's going on and on and, and she's talking about, yeah, I'm filming my fifth special. I'm excited about it, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out what she was doing is she was recording her set for YouTube and then they were going to put it on YouTube. And she's like, yeah, we're going to, you know, I'm going to try to get a meeting at Netflix and pitch it. And, but that's this town. This town is filled with people who will tell you what they're doing and they're, and, and you can barely hear them because the grinding of the gears from the wheels that they're spinning is just deafening. I mean, because they don't, they don't know it's and and like you in your brain you go do they not know it's it's odd i have a theory because i i'm about to start a mentoring program and it's it it ends with a competition and i'm not a fan of competitions i'm not i feel like competitions are you know on on a friday night at a football game all it takes is wet grass and the result is the people who are inferior could win. You know what I mean? Sure. Because I think it it's arbitrary to say tonight on this night of all of these burlesque performances, this was the best one given because they managed to hit X, Y, and Z. I love exhibitions of here's stuff we've been working on and here's top talent that's been touring and here's newbie nights. I love all of those things. And and I look at people like that and I can't help but think I'm never going to be famous. But if I get to do what I love and some people enjoy it, I, I think it's worth it. And I know, again, that is a very woo woo kind of way of looking at life. But imagine if they didn't have that creative outlet at all and all they had was working at whatever job they have that pays the bills while they're out doing what they love you know some people will buy a lot of golf equipment and spend a lot of money going golfing some people will do open mics yeah I, you know I, no, i'm like the, I, I, I i want to give them that joy and be like you know what it, it's okay to be the fake paul bearer in your dr paul bearer in your town or the or the low level you know, again, we don't have that anymore where you can just go on the radio station or the TV station locally and rent the studio and do a little show, you know, but because not fake? everything can be huge. But but is it is it aren't you lying to yourself? But let's put it this way. If you're just doing it because you're like, yeah, I like doing it, whatever. But these people who say that they're because, again, there's this, you know, this town 
and there's extras who think they're actors. There's there's all but these different they are, things. They're acting. Not they on, not not on camera. Headlining. Not as extras. They're not. No. They if they're in a play or something or they're doing something on the other side, that's fine. But quit saying that. Oh yeah, I've got three gigs, this, uh, three acting gigs this week. When you're standing in the background cheering at a softball game, that's not acting. You're not doing it. You you might be a lamp. And the same, like I said, I, with these standups. I, I understand what you're saying, but I also feel like in the year of I don't want to yuck somebody else's yum. Are they hurting themselves? Are they hurting comedy? Are they hurting people by showing up and getting a laugh with their ukulele and their kazoo or their, you know, their Roseanne Barr outdated I'm a mom joke or their whatever? If 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 it feels good, is it bad? I, that's that's the question I ask. Do I think that they're the end all be all? I mean, I always say I know who I was when I was doing this. And people still tell to me, oh, you're one of the greatest legends of burlesque in L.A. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm not. There are a million people better at me. I just happened to do it for a long time. And I enjoyed it on a Monday night in a little tiny venue. I, I, I don't think I'm bursting a dream or taking that away from them. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it, like I said, there's just different ways to look at it, and, yeah. and good, good for them if that's what they want to do, and they, and yeah. I suppose, but, but it gets back to again me saying that the, 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 this ocean of mediocrity is, is you just got to dog paddle through it and try not to drown in it, and even though again, other people, one, one man's ocean of mediocrity is another person's swimming pool of genius, I suppose, yes. I, I, I don't know, and. But I see, like I said, when I, I ventured through, like that, there, there's a TikTok channel I found. Like I said, there's a, there's a television show where people just slap each other in the face. They all live in a house for the opportunity, and then they all slap each other in the face. It was put on by the UFC. And it's funny, I'm a fan of the UFC. I like watching fighting. And then when I saw this, I just went, is this what they think I like? Is this who they think I am? That I'll just watch any fucking idiot walk into a door? It's fucking embarrassing, man. There's a TikTok channel, and I can't stop watching it. I cannot. It's called Mukbang. Now I think mukbang is a term for something that that is, it, I look. It sounds dirty, I know. No, but I think it's a. Uh, I, well, I think there's a fetish involved. Um, <laughs> but mukbang is this Asian channel where people just eat crazy shit with a microphone on their collar. Yeah, and it's like AMSR, and people will eat like raw octopus and just eat a ton of it, or they'll eat they'll eat a giant bowl of noodles in ninety seconds, like that sort of thing. And I can't stop staring at it. And uh, but in my head, I'm also going, "This is this is the this is now how you enter the realm of entertainment. You you can just be a guy who eats soft shell crabs or even hard shell crabs and eats the whole shell." <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. This this is on this channel. So these, I don't doubt it. <laughs> there's a woman fucking tits deep in dirty water, picking lotus root and eating it raw on camera, just eating the whole fucking thing. And I'm just like, this is fucking devastatingly awful. But also, I can't. I look at it every day. I can't stop looking at it because it's terrifying. And but but that's are we all just gonna wind up in chairs on a spaceship like in fucking Wall-E? <laughs> Floating around watching people eat lotus root out of dirty water because it's like it, it distracted us for 90 seconds from every other goddamn thing. I don't know, man. And again, like I said, I'm torn because I want I want reentry into the business that I think I'm best at. I want to find myself working in the industry that I think I'm I'm qualified for. 
But at the same time, am I, am, am I just as bad? Am I just not, you know what I mean? It, it's this. <laughs> I wonder what you consider this industry because you have done a podcast for 13 years plus. When I can, when and it I can, has made money for you. When I can, it, it is, makes money every you know, month. When I yeah. can, yes, when I can, I, I don't ever want to think people think, I don't want to make people think that I'm disrespecting their contributions to what I do yeah. and their support. Um, but I want to be great. Like I, I'll watch things that, and I hope I'm great. Like, like again, I thought I was great. The last show, I thought it was fucking phenomenal. I thought I hit it out of the park. I'm like, it's a three hour comedy show and whatever. But then it's that thing where you just go, all right, well then now you got to do another one. And then you got to do it. You got to keep going. And it's, it's, it's me. It's my vision. It's me having to tell myself, you you can't judge yourself by week to week by every show and go, oh, that one stunk. What am I going to do? Blah, 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 blah. Or, that one was fucking great. How come nobody wrote me and told me they loved it or whatever? You you just have to do the work. Yep. And But I've lived a life of not doing the work. But you have done the work. That's the thing I don't understand how you don't see. How do you not see that you have done 13 years of shows every you know, week we don't that need are to do as long as... No, I'm not. Nobody wants, I to, don't hear, nobody wants to hear that. I don't understand how you don't see it. I I do. All right. But that doesn't mean that that next week is guaranteed to be good or you can't you can't do a fucking show and go, hey, you know what? This one kind of blew, but I've got 13 years. Ha ha ha. You know what I mean? You Nobody gives a fuck. You it's you know what? Prove it now. Prove it now. Still be great. Move forward. You can't rest on any laurels. You can't be like, hey, you know what? I was really funny in year four. Nobody gives a flying fuck. You have saying, to be good going you, forward. But I'm saying you have this history of consistently knocking it out of the park. Yeah, but then then if you don't, then what was the point? You suck. You're terrible. Get lost. What the oh, fuck? You are so hilarious. No, it's not. It's not funny. I wish it was. It's ridiculous, but it's not funny. No. Uh, yeah. It's nonsense. I, I believe me, I get it. And, and I look, there's nothing less interesting to people than this. I know it. I understand. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't do a show last week. Cause all I felt like doing was going on and going, man, what the fuck, what happened? You know what I mean? Like, and this is coming up again, like I said, a three hour fucking yeah. podcast that was great and, and several weeks of them. And then a fucking show that I did on Monday that I loved. And, but then I just got hit with this fucking wrecking ball i i don't i don't know how to explain it and uh you know i have texts unanswered texts i uh, you know there are people writing me and and also i thought of funny things and i wanted to put them on like twitter or on on facebook and i'm like you can't do that you didn't do a podcast you're in you're in entertainment jail you can't do it because people will know entertainment jail. <laughs> there's no point because until you do your homework how can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat this is i've said this many times on here so if I write a joke on on Facebook or I write something that I think is funny and everybody's like, where the fuck's the podcast? What's going on? What the fuck? What the fuck, man? What are you doing? Oh, you got time to write a quip? Why don't you open them up the microphone? I want to have a fucking joke. Uh, and I know that's silly. I, I rec believe me, I can, I can look, I can step away and look at this version of me and go, that's fucking wrong. What is, what are you doing? Because again, one of the, you know, when I would interview at, at, at Trader Joe's, they they were like I, the first guy asked me he's like what do you what do you value in the podcast like what would you say is the greatest achievement and i said i've been i've made a living being paid to do comedy and be myself for the past like 13 years it's incredible 
And it is. Yeah. I don't take it for granted. I don't, it's not this thing where I'm, I just, but I just want to keep living up to it. I've talked yeah. about this many times. It's I just, get that. And look, this is midlife it. garbage. This is midlife nonsense. <laughs> I recognize all this because I, I want to be great. I so want to be great. It, it's this thing where like, um, all right, like this will sound silly. All right. I can dance. I, I am, I'm a pretty good dancer. I've always wanted to learn how to ballroom dance and shit like that, but I've always never pulled the trigger on it, whatever, never had a partner, never gone and take classes, but I've always wanted to. But like if we're in a club and you play some music, I can fucking dance. So then I found an Instagram channel that got suggested to me and it was guys like kind of hip hop dancing, doing stuff. And it was incredible. Like guys, there's this, there's a dance competition in Los Angeles and it's a lot of Asian kids and they do pop locking that is from another planet. Like you'll watch the stuff. You're like, it's incredible. And I find it, brilliant and inspiring i love watching it like i'll cheer it like i'll yell watching it it's so fucking good and in my brain i'm like i i love dancing like i love doing it but i've now entombed myself in another you know 150 pounds of fat that i didn't need to over the course of whatever the fucking pandemic and everything that led me to not being healthy again and i'm i'm look because that's the thing i'm super healthy like i don't hurt i'm not in pain i've taken for granted what my body does but i'm like when I see people dancing, I'm like, I wish I could dance all the fucking time. Like I used to, when I would lift at the gym, I would finish lifting and then I would dance in a room like by myself. I didn't give a fuck with my awesome. earbuds on. It's the fucking, because I would do it for a half hour because it's so fucking amazing and fun and I'm good at it and it's great. And so then I see that and I'm like, why aren't you doing that? You should fucking do it. And then I go, oh, but I should have been doing it three years ago and then you'd be much better. And, and then all that guy shows up and he's like, ah, why, were you, why haven't you been doing that for the past 10 years, you fucking idiot? And then... Then I turn on the Tournament of Champions. <laughs> it's silly. I know. I, I don't. I'm not trying to bore you people. I'm really not. I, I just. It's just the way it is. Oh, you um, you got time for plugs? You probably haven't got time for yeah, plugs. I got time for plugs. Let's do some plugs. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. It's a, well, just let's just uh, let me just say this. I apologize for not doing a show last week. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be better as a person and as a podcaster. And I, I can only hope that you will you'll ride his shotgun as as long as 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 you can <laughs> and i don't know and look because again year 13 has taken like two fucking years so i'm just i'm just glad you're still here if you're still here and uh, and i appreciate it you guys can get me at mike and mike schmidt comedy.com what a terrible ending for the show that was so that's fucking, a great ending no it's a terrible ending it's so bad see and that's the thing is i build and talk and nonsense no one cares all right uh no but people do care you care everybody cares that's the whole point but I want to be great. I guys, I want to be fucking great. I want to be so great at everything. I, I want to, I want, and I look, I don't want to just be great. <laughs> I want people to think I'm great. I want people to talk about how great I am. I want people to see that I'm fucking great. And that's why when I do the show last Monday or whatever, and I walk off and people are like, you know, and again, I also say, I'll say this. Um, look, I didn't destroy anybody. I didn't kill. You know what I mean? I'm still getting my mouth around words and learning how to be on stage again. But a, but not just comedians, but an audience member who I'd never met came up to me and went, man, you were you were so funny. You were like my favorite tonight. I'm like, oh, you're nice. They go, you know why? And I was like, I know. <laughs> and, and she said, uh, because you used language that nobody else would use. She goes, you said doubloons. Like nobody <laughs> else would say doubloons. Like it was so unexpected and it made me laugh even harder because what you were saying was funny but then <laughs> yep. the language you used to get it across was even funnier 
And for a civilian to see that, for, for a real person to not only see that, but take the time to tell me, hey, you know what? You, you, what you did wasn't just really good, but it was original and, and that made it better. And it was some 10 minute show awesome. in, a, in a fucking sidebar. I get all that. And Siegel's going to hear this and go, hey, fuckhead, you didn't kill. And I'm like, you're right. I didn't. I know I didn't. You but, didn't say you killed. You said you did really well. But but this is the thing. We all, you know, you'll do these 10 minute shows and then everybody sits around and goes, ah, that was great. I did really great. And you're like, yeah, I accomplished what I needed to accomplish. And I was funny. And I made civilians yep. laugh. Not just, com- and I made, I made comedians recognize my talent and I made civilians laugh and inspired two of them to come up to me and go, Jesus Christ, dude, you're, you were, you're really funny. And that's, I want to be great. I just want to be great. But boy, is it easy to not be great. (laughs) It's so fucking, it's so fucking easy to watch everybody else be great. You guys can get me at Mike at Mike Schmidt comedy.com. You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. I'm Mike40YOB on all of those. Mike40YOB at Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. I've done none of those. I haven't put anything on any of those f- platforms in forever. Uh, Lily, should this be the week that I, I make a, that I put something on Instagram? Yes, it should be. Should, should I? I've never done a TikTok. All right. I've never done one. Should I do one? You should do a reaction TikTok of you watching the dancers. You know how oh. you do the duet and you react and you watch it and then that should go up on Instagram as well because you can do that. You can download your TikTok and then you can put it on Instagram too. This all of a sudden became work. All right. Uh... To watch something, <laughs> laugh, enjoy it and share it. Oh my oh, God, that is work. It's the sharing part. I'll watch and laugh shit all the goddamn time and enjoy the hell out of it. But then when it's the, oh, and you can put it here and put it there. What a, who am I? Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking I'm fucking media mogul. I'm going to go ahead and put shit everywhere. I run 14 Instagram channels. You can handle one. Well, that's because you're very talented. No, I'm not. I I just have done it. I'm part of the Misfit Toys co-op. Did you know this? Uh, Should I film a commercial for those people or record one? Uh, The show's on the right now. No, let's not. The Misfit Toys (laughs) co-op. Doug loves movies. The Todd Glass show. No fun with Jen Kirkman. The never not funny podcast with our good friends, Jimmy Pardo, Matt Belknap, Garen Cockrell and Elliot Hochberg. Uh, and of course, there's Watch Out for That Car with Danielle Koenig. That's a fantastic podcast you should check out. And Christine Kimmel, uh, as they warn you of events or tell you about terrible things that have happened in the past, don't step in that bear trap with Danielle Koenig. Um, Never Done Funny, Doug Loves Movies, Todd Glass Show, No Fun with Jen Kirkman, all at the Misfit Toys Co op. Check them out. Did you know that we have podcasts who sponsor and enjoy this show? What? That's right, we do. Our great friend. From the Paranoid Strain, our our friend Fearful Jesuit, he's fantastic. Uh, he does the Paranoid Strain podcast, which is, uh, it's amazing the work that it does. I just recorded an audio piece for him. I don't know when that's going to be used, but he's very nice to even consider me at this point. Uh, I consider him a great friend, and I'm, I'm happy that he includes me in his projects occasionally because it's always nice to be that close to brilliance. Uh, he does things that I can't do, and he does them extremely well. Him and Dana Unicorn putting out the Paranoid Strain podcast. You can find it where all the best podcasts in the world are exploited for no money. You fucks. What the fuck? Pay us! Anyway, um, who am I mad at? iTunes? Uh, yes. d- damn you, Spotify. What's wrong with you? Uh, but yeah, the podcasts are out there, man. Paranoid Strain is fantastic. Go ahead and check it out. Download it. Uh, Dana Unicorn and our great friend, 
fearful Jesuit out there getting it done, taking care of business every day, taking care of business every way. Uh, very much Randy Bachman style. So go ahead and check out the show. Jesus Christ, I'm an idiot. Um, it's terrific. It's a wonderful show, and I think you should download it. Also, our great friend, David Hernandez, whom you can find at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Uh, he has the Flem Cat podcast. That's four words, the Flem Cat podcast. P-H-L-E-G-M is how you spell Flem. Don't make me fucking spell it again. Uh, amazing work with David as he sings. He has uh, amazing characters. He does all sorts of stuff. I think there may be a flute involved at some point. <laughs> uh, it's terrific and it's great and it's wonderful work. And he's the most talented dude in the business. Go ahead and check out our friend David. The Flemcat Podcast available where all of your finer podcasts are sold and or given away for free. Uh, I'm on Cameo. Did you know that? Uh, you can book me for Cameo. People love me. Eh, that's strong. But uh, <laughs> I just did a record. I did a podcast. You know what? I did a Cameo for our good friend Scott. I think I may have talked about it the last time we talked. Maybe not. Uh, but I actually did it. He was, And he was like, just I just want you to talk, which was, believe me, those are the best cameos. Um, <laughs> when he's not like, hey, man, tell me about fucking engines. Uh, you know, I don't know about anything about engines, but I'll do it. I'll Look, I'll talk about anything you want. I'll talk, I'll talk to your cousin. I'll talk to your sister, whomever you want me to discuss. I'll talk to your dad. We'll do a seance, whatever you need. Um, but I did for Scott just wanted me to talk about like movies. He's like, talk about a horror movie you saw that you liked. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And I did. And I loved it. It was fun. And then Scott wrote me and he enjoyed it. Ah, it was a great transaction for everybody. Uh, he paid, I made, it was for, it was terrific. So please hire me for cameo book cameo.com or get the app on your phone, download it and go ahead and hire me. You'll find me. It's me in front of the an airport sign. That's this picture I used because I looked good back then. Uh, Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. That's right. I have a Patreon. You can go ahead and become a member if you'd like. That'd be fantastic. Um, and, and you know what? You don't have to. It's fantastic if you want to support the show, though. It makes me very happy. And it keeps this show coming, even though it wasn't here last week, despite your support. So I guess really I'm lying. I'm not really lying. I promise. Uh, I'm just telling you the patreon.com slash Mike four zero Y O B is where you should go and become a patron of this show. It would help me out tremendously. Thank you. And if you just want to send dough without becoming a monthly subscriber, if you want to send a, 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 just a chunk of change, you can go to Mike Schmidt comedy.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there is a horn boy that says donate, click on him, takes you right to PayPal and you can send me some cash, which, uh, not going to lie. I need, so that'd be pretty cool. If you send it my way, thanks. Uh, I have channels. I have, all right, first I have the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Uh, previous podcasts are available. All of the archives of this podcast are available on there. And uh, as well as uh, there's some clips. You know, I was in Japan. I raided some snacks. That was fun. Uh, you'll have to look. It's funny. It's all the archives of the podcast. And then there's like 10 videos sprinkled throughout like weird Easter eggs to see when I did stand-up 15 years ago. Those are fun. Go watch me do a joke about... Uh, Senator George Allen, who may not even still be alive, but I know that joke is out there. Um, that's from the night you saw me, I think, actually, that possibly when we recorded. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's at YouTube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Become a subscriber. I'd be happy if you did. And then there's Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, it's on hiatus until March 1st. Uh, you can go subscribe still. That'd be great. Follow or subscribe to the channel. But I got some technical stuff going on, and uh, quite frankly, I have to. It's the end of the month, and I got to scramble and make some cash for rent. So uh, it's hard to find the blocks needed to do streaming, even though people are kind and they subscribe and I make a little money from that. But it's it's I, as I've always said, I'm at the intersection of Content Boulevard and Com and uh, Commerce Avenue. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to live on Content Boulevard, but 
Unfortunately, I need a lot of Commerce Avenue to show up. So, uh, so right now, March first, we will redebut. Uh, we finished God of War Ragnarok. We were being aimless, but then also I had a cord that failed, so my screen is super dark. It's just, and it makes me feel like amateur night when I'm playing and I can't play the game right, and then my camera doesn't work. It's just, it just, it makes me uneasy because I feel like I'm giving you a product that that doesn't meet your participation level. You know what I mean? If you're there, watch me play games, then it should be good. It should be fun. And granted I'm there and I'm awesome, but you still should be there <laughs> watching, you know I mean? You should want to be there. It should be, it should be functioning and it should work great. Um, so March 1st, we'll be back. And uh, hopefully I'll have stuff fixed by then. If not, it'll still be bad, but I'll be there. So at least I'll be there March 1st, <laughs> but I've, I've now I've bought seven days. It's a week from now that it will come back. Uh, so that's twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. You can still follow and subscribe. And there's a million clips you can go watch in previous streams. If you want to go relive the past with me uh, and then brace yourself because I'll be back March 1st with a new game. I'm not sure what we're going to be playing just yet. Um, could be a series of one-offs, but first I got to get the whole fucking package working again, because otherwise there's no point in doing it. And uh, yeah, that's that. That's the plugs. I've squared them away. Are you okay? I'm okay. Yeah. All right. You were nice to be here this week. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for helping me. I, it was a wonderful week. I absolutely loved talking about comedy with you. I find it fascinating. Well, you're nice to say so. Is there anything yeah. you want to tell people or no? I started a cult. Come join my cult. It's at joinmycultplease.com. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck happened to us? You know, we are, you know what? <laughs> You and I are just like we're like Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton. That's all. That's we're just what? just creating fucking schemes to try to stay afloat. I have no idea two, what you're talking about. Living in two room apartments, trying to scramble for a fucking dollar, hoping to trick people into into fucking buying something. Like, Hello, Ralph. <laughs> I started a cult. You want to sign up? One of these days, Norton. Hey, you know I got a Twitch channel, Norton. I'm on there playing the games, Norton. I got a cult. Well, you come on. Oh, what a couple of fucking absolute fucking trap doors we become. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So give the address again. Join my cult, please. Dot com. We're a very polite oh, cult. <laughs> it sounds like it. All right. Well, holy Lord. All right. Go there. And, and uh, yeah. remember the thing I was talking about, the ocean of mediocrity. Oh, I'll tell you this. That absolutely rises above it. The, the starting your own cult. That is that's a buoy on the ocean of mediocrity. Look at you pulling people out of the sea. I appreciate it. We have T-shirts and we have membership certificates. It's awesome. Wow. Do you have stickers and keychains? I do. <laughs> In fact, my T-shirt is actually a sticker. Oh, my Christ. Guys, listen, if you've ever wanted to waste money on tchotchkes, this is the place <laughs> to do it. Find oh. your enlightenment. You can email me, too, at enlightenment, the number five, and then spell out sense. Enlightenment5cents at gmail.com. Ask me questions, and I'll, I'll help solve all of the, the problems in your life and help you on your journey. Do you guys ever get the feeling you're you're less <laughs> listeners and more of a weird life support system so the two of us just don't fucking die? Did you ever think that? We're just, hey, man, give to my Patreon and hire me for a cameo. I'll talk to your aunt, and I've got a cult with a shirt that's a sticker, and oh, my God, here's also, oh, my God. We'll talk about a couple of scramblers. What the fuck? If only we were back in the Old West. I can't imagine the wagon we would have and the snake oil we would sell. <laughs> Good Christ, what happened to us? All right. Uh, 
Thank you, beautiful. Podcast. Podcast. Podcast.